This week on Nintendo Main, we talk about MGC, and we got some interviews as well. And did Billy Mitchell get a raw deal? Milwaukee doesn't want to let anyone leave its clutches. I can't wait to hear this episode for the first time. Nintendo Main episode 117. We are your hosts. I'm Trey. Hashtag Billy Mitchell got a raw deal. Johnson. I'm Jeremy. Gonna get that virtual boy fixed. Mikowski. I'm John, the man who wasn't there, knitter. <laughs> you were the man who wasn't there. <laughs> so we're we're back from uh, MGC, Midwest Gaming Classic in Milwaukee. And uh, we got a bunch of interviews that we did with various people, which will be the topic of our show, of course. But yeah. we will from start. From the show floor. From the show floor. So, but we'll start off our show like we normally do with our purchases. And since we were just at a, you know, gaming expo, we'll actually get to show it to you on here in the video world. We'll show our purchases, then we'll talk about some news. I mean, mostly like Midwest Gaming Classic news. And I want to talk about uh, Big Bill Mitchell also, because he was there at the show and we got to see him and talk to him and all that. And that whole controversy happened like in between shows, so we haven't really talked about it at all. So we'll talk about that for sure our intro but as but without further ado who wants to start here well, i'll start like i normally do i bought nothing yep lame so there it is <laughs> well you weren't at mgc so i didn't really buy that much at mgc believe it or not because there was a and we're, i'm gonna blast the hilton here but we stayed at the hilton and apparently they screwed up and charged everybody 200 dollars extra for their room and uh wow. it got fixed thankfully but not until after we all left the show so it's kind of like you know for people like me who only have cert- a certain amount of money saved to spend at the show you're kind of fucking us over by just taking 200 dollars out of my bank account it's like yeah it's unfair you some kind of compensation for it or no of course not because they're all because they're assholes but they said I asked them about. It. I was like, "What the fuck? Like, why did you charge me an extra two hundred dollars on top of like the sixty dollar in- incidental fee?" It's like, you know, what's going on here? And they're like, "Oh no, we did it to like everybody by accident, but you'll get it back in t- in like forty eight hours." And I'm like, "Like, well, fuck you, man." You're kind of screwing everything over. But at the same time, like, uh, you know, we were there. We were there with Jess, and uh, and she helped me purchase anything that I ran out of money for. But you should have just, like, taken the TV from the hotel room and told them, I'll give it back to you in 48 hours. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm sure they'd be fine with that. And just let me take this. I stole I stole some uh, towels on the way out. No, I didn't. But uh, <laughs> I should have. $200 worth of towels. I left uh, I left 100 uh, Nintendo Main Honey Darling Show uh, postcards in their, in their rooms that they, have to, that they have to look at. No, not 100, but we did leave a couple. Um, yeah, so... But at the same time, there wasn't. I didn't really see a whole lot of stuff that was like, "Oh man, I really need to get that," you know. So it wasn't like I was super tapped for it. But but who wants to start? Uh, I got a lot of stuff. So I mean, if you want me to start, I can. Okay, go for it. Well, I bought a lot of different stuff at uh, the Gaming Classic um, last year. I bought a lot more games, so I kind of expected to buy a lot of games this year. But I only bought two games. Trying to 
continue to beef up my uh, weird golf games collection that I guess I started doing for some reason. Um, I got Outlaw Golf for the Nintendo <laughs> GameCube. I love that you bought that game because Outlaw Golf was like the butt of a joke. Like between, uh-huh. I think between all three of us, I think, uh, in back back in the early GameCube days, it always make fun of Outlaw, Outlaw Golf because wasn't it like originally like a timed Xbox exclusive or something like that? I think it was like a dig at the first Xbox that I would say it's like, oh yeah, they got games like Outlaw Golf. That's, that's a great game. It was but, like that in uh, Blood Wake we used to joke about. Blood, or, yeah, Blood Wake or Blood Rain? It was Blood Wake because it was the uh, speedboat game that had blood. Oh, yeah, Blood Wake. Yeah, it's almost like... Uh, I forgot about that game. It's like Team Knight Rider or, uh, or Night, Night Boat. <laughs> there was actually a show called Team Knight Rider where there were different ones. And Night Boat was a Simpson episode where it's the <laughs> Knight Rider boat. So I there was one game I had in mind that I wanted to buy. I had it on my list and everything. So I found it for uh, 15 bucks. It was the cheapest I found it. Time Splitters 2. Yeah, I finally got this game. I've wanted this game for a while. Played it. It works. It's fun. Came with the instruction booklet in the original case, so that's cool. I I think I got that game for the same price for for John, because that was like one of the first games I got for John. And uh, Because we played it, and you said you liked it. And I found it on sale for $15 new. So that was uh oh you got that was when it came you. out. I bought it for John the same price that you got it now used when it was out because I guess it not unfortunately not that many people cared about it or it was like overstocked or something. But I remember that one and dropped dropped in price super quick. So I think I got it for you for your birthday or something. But it was yeah, only it was Thank only, it was only like fifteen bucks. Yeah, but that game is awesome. It's really good. I don't know what I don't know how rare Future Perfect is the third one, but I really like that one a lot. Like uh, the single player is better on that one, I think. But and also, it uh, you actually have hands in that because Time Splitters two, there's no hands; they're just floating guns, which is interesting. Like they didn't put a hand on the on the FPS thing. But yeah, that's that's a great game. So love to hear what you think of it as you play it more and do some videos. Yeah, I uh, I mean, it was the first first person shooter I remember actually enjoying Mm -hmm. because it had the uh, dual analog. Yeah, and that was really cool. I don't know how many games had that beforehand, but that's the first time I played that on a Nintendo system. Plus, it was the spiritual successor to Perfect Dark and Goldeneye because most of the main developers started Free Radical, and that was like their big new thing. So, like for anybody who was into those those games, like Time Splitters was the thing to go to because that was where they where the main developers went to. So it's like it's great. And then what was it? Haze that killed them later. <laughs> that piece, PlayStation Three game. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I've only played this one because i know they did uh they did a the fps on on ps3 that didn't work well there's also like a famous video oh you mean them. an actual game killed the company i thought you meant a a villain in the time splitter series N- no haze <laughs> this uh, game i think it's haze i don't know if it's wrong uh tweet at me and, and tell me but uh like like hey but plural hazy e oh, okay there's a picture of a guy on the front cover with a mask with his with the part over his eye missing, and you can see his eyeball. Anyway, right. it was a game they put a lot of money into, and it bombed. I'll and, superimpose yeah, the image over this part. Yeah, they were originally they were originally going to do uh, Star Wars Battlefront three, and there's actually a video out there showing. Uh, yeah, I got it, Hayes, and there's the picture with the oh, broken man, eye. I thought yeah. it was Hay apostrophe yes. <laughs> anyway, there's a video out there of them of a engine that they did where you can actually have a battle on this on the planet and take off into space and fight in space. It's super cool. Uh Free Radical was an awesome company. I was always hoping for a Time Splitters HD 
re-release, but it never happened. Anyway, what else you got? So I had to, had to get on a tangent there for Time Splitters too because that's oh, an awesome no, game. No worries. I mean, um, that's the game. Like someone at the show saw I had it in my hand and complimented it, and then I posted it on Twitter, and someone commented like thumbs up just because you got Time Splitters too. So I mean, it's a it's a beloved game. I can tell. Oh so yeah, I'm no, it's it's great. It. We also. Uh, the Columbia related story. When I lived in the dorms at Columbia, I used to take uh, my GameCube down to like the smoking lounge and try to get people to play multiplayer. And I bought Times Footers 2 down there, and that was a hit. Everybody loved it. So we would play like split screen in the smoking lounge at the Columbia I dorms. There was a time whenever we we would hang out, we would always play Times Footers 2. So that was. It's a good game. Good game. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a really good game. I remember I used to, like in the smoking lounge, it was pretty much. Time Splitters 2 or or whatever the Mario Party was out at the time, the GameCube one. It was like either one. But yeah, it was it's a lot of fun. It was a cool split screen. I know that uh, GameCube got some shit for not having an online mode on there, but whatever, you know. I still want to get a modem for the GameCube eventually, but never found one. So uh, I did not purchase this at the uh, Midwest Gaming Classic, but this is really cool. I really like this. Trey knows the person that made this. So oh yeah, that's not. not a purchase, but it's an awesome cross-stitch. Awesome gift. Yeah. Yeah, this is a gift from uh, Jess, who's on the Honey Darling show, is uh, Trey's fiance. Yeah, and she's on this show and sometimes, too. Yeah, she's been on the show. She do, uh, was on the Donkey Kong Country episode. Yeah, and Animal Crossing cool. and Metopia. But yeah, it's really, really cool. I really love it. And, you know, look at that. Yeah. Isn't that, that beautiful? Yeah, she asked me what uh, what what kind of uh, what kind of sprite you would want as a cross-stitch. And I, I said that, I was like, you know, maybe Pink Yoshi. I mean, I gave her a few different uh, ideas, but she liked Pink Yoshi the best, and yeah, so found that picture. It turned out really good. I, I love it. it. Yeah, nice. It's got a nice spot there. Since so we're doing, I I pretty much like hung it up as soon as I got home. I didn't get this this week, but here's another one that just did. This is mine that she made for me. This is the golem from from Whoa. Dragon from Dragon Warrior. So I think it's super awesome. He's like my one of my favorite one of my favorite monsters from the Dragon Quest series. So that was the first thing. Uh, First sprite that I asked for when she asked me what to cross stitch, I was like, uh, I was "Like, make this dude. He's fucking awesome." Man, they're really good. She does a really good job. Yeah. Um. So yeah, everything else I got was uh, either art or uh, clothing. So I'll just point. I think I'm just gonna point at things. Sure. Yeah, do like this. Jeremy's going mobile. He's going off mobile the, here. He's off the grid. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm off the grid. So I got a. Uh, hold on. Let me point this right here. Um. Shit. Hold on a second here. Damn it. All right. This is from a game called Galactic Battleground. Um, I actually played it on the show floor with uh, the developers. Um, so this was like a little promotional sticker they gave away. But it's a really cool game. We'll talk about it a little bit more when we talk about the show. But yeah, so that was some free swag from that. Here I've got a, a Moogle. It's like a really nice decal. I just didn't even take it off the paper. It's just tacked to my wall here. But it's a really nice decal that I'm going to eventually stick to something. Um, hold on, get this out of the way. This is a hand-drawn picture of K.K. Slider by an artist named T. McCann. We'll, we'll uh, put his name in the description. But uh, he did this and this Yoshi right up here. And they were only like five bucks a piece. So I thought it was pretty cool. They were actual hand-drawn works of art for five bucks. Um, let's see what else did I get. Up here uh, are from... The interview you're, you're about to hear from uh, It's Super Effective, the Pokemon podcast. Got a uh, Slowpoke uh, Nyan Pop-Tart cat, and then the logo here, It's Super Effective. Mm-hmm. Here's a Boo. That's another one of those really nice decals. 
Yeah, it just bought um, a couple of those too. I think she got like a pseudo wudo and a ditto from Pokemon, so they're pretty cool. Yeah, they're really they're really nice. They're like super detailed. Um, I got a shy guy too. Nice. And I got this Mario. He's actually a magnet, but um, I just have him tacked to the wall. But it's one of the uh, pearl beads or perler beads, whatever they say. If you look back here, I got a uh, Gur dressed from uh, Invader Zim dressed up as Pikachu. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. Yeah. And then I got Ness. Hold on. There's Ness. So, yeah. Um, let's see. I think that's everything on my wall that's new. I didn't give this at MGC, but um, this is what I got for my Secret Santa on Reddit. It's a little Magus pocket watch. Uh, it's kind of hard to see. Mm-hmm. It's like a chibi Magus. What's Magus from? Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger, yeah. So yeah. It's like a pocket watch. It's kind of cool. Um, and two more things. Got this shirt right here. Got a cool purple Midna shirt. Yeah, nice. it's got Midna and uh, Lincoln Wolf form. It's um, a cool I believe design. That's made by Ye- I think they're called Yeti. Yeah, Yeti. It's like, and I got one more shirt from them. I like that the tears of light are on there. Those those cursed tears of light. <laughs> cursed tears of light. This is the other shirt I got. This is a oh yeah, kind that, of a cutesy Yoshi's Island T-shirt. Yeah, that one's cool. I mean, they're both cool, but this one's like super. They look like their eyes are dilated or something. Like they're on some sort of, maybe they're on, no, they, a, maybe they're they on fuzzy. fuzzy and got dizzy. Yeah, <laughs> they're on some fuzzy. I was I thinking, know, it looks like fuzzy might be on there. That should be one of the next shirts I make is a like warped uh, fuzzy thing. But yeah, as you were the screens uh, I mean, all wavy. Thing. I did say the uh, top of the show that I might get my virtual boy fixed. If I do, it'll be by this guy, Ineas Matt. Um, supposedly he solders the boards and makes them work again. Which is something I'm not able to do. So, mm. yeah, I wonder how much does he if, charge if for the that? The price is reasonable. I think it's the most expensive one was his N64 was 15. So if it's oh well, even if it was like 30 bucks, and I had to pay 30 for shipping, you know, mm-hmm. to get it to work again, that might be worth it. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's everything. Pay for another virtual boy, and you'd be taking a, a gamble with that, you know, as we get yours fixed. Right, and it's. It's a permanent fix. Like it's better than what was originally done. So yeah, if it works, that'd be great. But yeah, that's everything I got at MGC this year. Uh, I got some random flyers and stuff, but uh, I hung up like the haunted Halloween one here, which is another interview you're gonna hear yeah, in a little bit. Haunted Halloween '86. I always really want to buy that game, but uh, main reason I don't is because I don't have working NES, so I can't play it. But as you'll yeah. find out in our interview that follows, they are planning or they're trying to get it on Switch. So I'm hoping that it gets on there. And if it does, I'll definitely buy it. I'll buy Halloween, Haunted Halloween 85 and 86. And they have a new game coming out this this fall that we that we talk about also on there. So, you know, I think all those should be on Switch. And I know it's already on Steam and on the Xbox One eShop, whatever whatever that's called. You can get that on there. And they said they're they're trying to get it on Switch. So hopefully it'll happen sometime in the future. Oh, yeah, and there was one more thing, one more piece of clothing. Oh, yeah, you got the shirt. Or no, that's the hoodie, right? Yeah, I got a hoodie with my uh, ticket price, and I'd forgotten I ordered it. Mm. And, uh, so that was a nice surprise. It's a cool hoodie. I mean, I, I like it. I How much did it – was it like an extra 30 or 20 or – I think it was like 25 extra. Oh, okay. It's a nice-looking hoodie, though. I like I liked the design on it. So, yeah, I got some swag. Just didn't get like – I really was hoping to grab a bunch of Super Famicom games. Because I, I, last year there were so many. Yeah. And this year I only saw a few, and the ones I saw were either shitty ones I didn't care about or they were overpriced. 
Yeah, there were yeah there were some that were like five that I didn't really recognize any of them, and then there was one that was where they were all like sealed and they were selling them for like twenty or forty dollars, and I'm like, what? That's ridiculous. That's way too much. They weren't really sealed. I mean, they were well, sealed, but it was just they like, were sealed by like sealer. And yeah, they were sealed by wrapping. They weren't in the boxes or anything like that. So that was kind of a bummer because I was really just hoping to buy a bunch of cheap Super Famicom games this year. It was like yeah. my number one hope. I was hoping to see some stuff too because you bought some cool ones from uh, the Portland Retro Expo. Like you got like yeah, Mario All Stars. Also, yeah, I would have gotten a Mario All Stars if I saw one, like the Japanese one, because I don't have mine anymore, or like Mario World or any you know something like that. I do have Yoshi's Island on Super Famicom, which is pretty cool. But but yeah, I would I would have totally bought that stuff, and I didn't actually see it. Yeah, it was weird. I felt like I don't know. Did you feel like the merch tent was a little bit lacking this year? Like I, I there, did. I mean, there was a lot less. There, is, uh, there was a lot less art stuff, like and not a whole lot of uh, burler bead big things. And I feel like there was more like wall art last time. You know where they had like the big pictures, and I don't know. It seemed kind of. Uh, I don't know. Like it's. Uh, I didn't really. I didn't see any like Game Boy micros. I didn't see any like. I mean, I didn't think I'd see a Game Boy. I Light, saw but... one Game Boy micro, and it was one twenty. Oh yeah, fuck that. <laughs> Did that make you wish that you bought the other one? Yes, when I was yeah. talking to Jer- I was talking to Jeremy Parrish about it actually, and he told me I should have bought it. You should have bought it because I because I told him about the price I paid for the Game Boy Light, and he was like blown away that I only paid sixty for it. Yeah, is well, it still there? Do you know? No, it's gone. I was. I mean, so. you should have bought it for me. I would have bought that. <laughs> I wanted a Game Boy Micro, but I never found it for sixty. Well, I'll keep my eyes peeled. Yeah, but yeah, that might have been my sixty dollar missed opportunity. Yeah, sure. Well, speaking of sixty dollars, that's pretty much what I spent on on my stuff. This year, um, let's go. Let's go down the list here. So I got a, I got three Super Nintendo games, a 64 game, a GameCube game, and a Amiibo. But so first off, probably the cheapest game I ever got, Tetrisphere on, on Nintendo 64 for five dollars. I don't know if you guys ever nice. played this game, but it was a fun, uh, it was a fun puzzle game. Early 64 release, you know, it's like a globe that you rotate around. I had a lot of fun with it. It was five bucks, so I was like, I'll get that. And I tested Heck it out. Yeah, man. Five bucks. Tested it out. It works. Let's see. Up next, I finally got. I talked about getting it at that place called Vidiots in Michigan, but now I got Vidiots on uh, Super Nintendo. It says ten on there, but I think I got it for eight. But uh, yeah, the Ren and Stimpy game, probably the only one that I think is actually decent. And I used to play through it all the time, so I wanted to try to do a stream of it at some point. But yeah, nice. got Vidiots for eight dollars. Is that the one that had Space Madness? I don't think so. Oh, one of them has a space madness level. It, there's like four different levels. It starts off with the uh, with the one where Ren dresses up as a rat, and they hire Stimpy to like fake hunt him. Okay. And then there's uh, I forget what's after that. I know there's a part where there's like a there's a part where you play like the Stimpy that creates like the happy helmet and all that. Like there's a level for that. It's been there's a lot of the fire dogs. No, Fire Dogs is Fire Dogs is basically a reskinning of that Game and Watch game, where you oh, use the trampoline to catch people. Yeah, it's actually the same thing in Worthworm Gym, where the dogs fall. That's basically all that Fire Dogs is. So don't get that game; it's terrible. Um, I mean, I, I had the uh, I have the Game Boy one still, like the straight up Game Boy Space one, which might be that one's black and white. And it takes in space, it takes place in space. But from all the Ren and Stimpy games that I played, and I played most of them, I thought Vidiots was the best one. So I got that one. Also, a game that I lost on the unfortunate Super Nintendo sales was uh, 
Killer Instinct. So I got it back for nice. got it for ten dollars. Back in black. Go I know ahead. all the. Uh, I feel like all these like all the fronts are messed up, but I don't care. The gameplay's fine. I sold Killer Instinct during that very sad day where I sold a whole bunch of my Super Nintendo games. So I got Killer Instinct back, and plus I love having uh, colored cartridges. So it's good to good to have another one. I also got a uh, Batman Returns. It says fifteen, but I got it knocked down to ten. So this is a super fun brawler game for Super Nintendo. I always loved playing it. It has a lot of style. The soundtrack is really good on it, and uh, they all they they all play great. So it's been uh, I've been testing them. The one thing that really sucks about the Batman one after I tried it, this like piece fell off. This thing broke, oh, broke yeah. right here. Oh, wow. I've had that happen. And they had like there were like three different Batman Returns there. I could have grabbed one that wasn't broken. <laughs> they were all maybe that's why they cut the oh, five. Geez, fell off. It's like maybe they, that's why they cut the five dollars off for me because of this. But I you just to, need uh, a cartridge you don't care about, and then replace the back of it. Yeah, I mean I don't really care. It plays fine, you know. It's just like this is the only cartridge I have that has a break like that. Like all of the other ones are totally intact, so it's like I, I have never a, really my, uh, copy of Majora's Mask is like that. Oh, really? That sucks. Yeah, it's all yeah. busted up. Gonna show you the other part of it, but that must have taken some abuse, Jeremy. I mean, the uh, sixty-four cartridge is pretty thick. Yeah, I think to break it this, it is like on like a concrete floor or something. Yeah, I think it's like, I think it's like. Well, I was gonna say I think it's like twice the size, but it feels a lot, feels a lot thicker, you know, between the two of them. But those are my plastic stuff. Oh wait, here it is. <laughs> Here's the part right here. Yeah, so this part was actually still attached to it when I got it. It was just kind of like, I think it might have been sort of like half-assed glued in here. Oh, probably. But, but yeah, it was right here, and then I go to test it, and then it comes off. So. There it goes. I still have it, so I guess I could try to super glue it or something if I really wanted to for cosmetic purposes. But yeah, it's just, you know, I couldn't, I can't believe I didn't notice it. <laughs> It's kind of one of the things that I was just like so excited to see it, and I wanted to try to get it for ten dollars. Maybe they maybe they gave me the five dollar discount because they knew it was broken. <laughs> They're like, "Oh yeah, when he gets home, he's gonna find that and it's gonna break." His heart's gonna break. Yeah, I mean the game works, so that's all that matters, really. I mean it's it still works. So, and I played it for a while, and I was like, "Man, I still like this game." For a second there, I thought you got Batman Forever. No, if you ever played that. That <laughs> game's terrible. No, I, yes, I played that game. I thought about getting it just because. I like collecting comic book character games, but that game's awful. Like, it's yeah, awful, it's really awful, bad. awful. I had it on Genesis. Yeah. Was it worse on that? I mean, it was. I played it. I rented it and Probably. played it on Super Nintendo, and it's like, even for a fan of Batman, and I played a lot of, like, not great comic book games, but I could still find pleasure in them. I could not find any sort of enjoyment out of that game whatsoever. Nothing. Like, it was really the, bad. Like, they digitized the the actors the way that they did for, for Mortal Kombat. Yep. And it's almost and it, like they tried to take a and it played like shit. A, a fighting game, like fighting game controls, but make it a, a brawler. Mm. And it's just a, a terrible game. It was like the uh, Sub Zero Mythologies before Sub Zero Mythologies. That's basically exactly. what it was. Same sort of thing. Sounds like a great idea on paper, but did not work well when it came out at all. So next up is another one of my Holy Grail items, which I'm surprised that I actually got at a pretty decent price. But ta da. Pokemon, yeah, see, Pokemon XD, Gale of Darkness. Does it work? Oh, yeah, to- totally works. I got it for 39 bucks. This game normally sells for like 60 bucks at least in box. So 
I got them, got them to get down on it. It was uh, priced at 45 and I got it to uh, 39 There was another one on the show floor that was priced at 50 in box. Um, it has the has the instruction manual too. It's it's super thick. I mean, back in the day when RPGs got like really thick manuals, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty uh, heavy, but nice. Yeah, that's and I tr- I tried that one. Of course, it has progressive scan, so it looks great on my on my Wii with uh, component cables and all that. Um, it's it's funny because it's funny that I got this for thirty nine because at the same booth they were selling Skies of Arcadia for one hundred and ten dollars. Like uh, in the box with the with the thing and all that, and I'm like, wow. Well, I like that. What was the original price on that forty? And you tried to talk them down, and they were like, how about thirty nine? No, it was it was forty five. Oh, was it? Yeah, it it was forty five. And I said, uh, I was like, would you go any lower? And he's like, um, how how far do you want me to go? And I'm like, thirty five dollars. <laughs> and he gives me gives me this look like, really? No. Come on. And I'm like. I'm like, okay. And he's like, uh, what do I have to do to get you to buy it right now? And I'm like, well, how low can you go? And he's like, I'll give you, give it to you for 39. And I'm like, uh, okay, fine. And it is like the cheapest I could find, like eBay, eBay at that time. For a little bit, though. Oh, yeah. I looked, I looked on eBay. And he was like, he was like, I bet you're not going to find it any cheaper. And I didn't. I looked at eBay real quick. You were like, I'm right. I could get it. I could probably get it as the disc for cheaper. It's just the disc, but I don't like doing that for GameCube games. I want the whole case. I like the whole caboodle, so I can display it. You know, when it's just the disc, I can't display it. So I like having the have the case for the. I don't really care for the game for the actual cartridges, but for that. But yeah, XD. That's a game I always wanted to get. It is the for all the people that say that Pokemon was never on a console. Here it is. Here's your po- full on Pokemon RPG on a console. They totally did it, and it was right here. So it did exist. I was listening to NVC uh, last week's episode. And they couldn't remember the name of this. That's why we're better than that show. They, they're they like, you know, like that game that was on GameCube, the Pokemon one. What was it called? And they look it up and they're like, oh, yeah, Ga- oh, oh, yeah Gale of Darkness. Pass of the Week, though, Gale of Darkness? No, that wasn't their Skip or of the Week. Skip of the Week. No, they're saying they wanted that to be the Switch Pokemon. But anyway, I guess they didn't, uh, they didn't like drool over it or dream about it for years like I did. But now I finally have it. So whenever I finish Tales of Arcadia or Tales of Arcadia, Skies of Arcadia, I'll, I'll play that one. But the big, the big event is the one that I got on Sunday. I guess we'll just got it for me because of the Hilton fiasco. But got Waddle Dee, the amiibo, for ten bucks. I thought that was a pretty yeah. good deal, and I like you know yeah. me, me be me still being a Kirby supporter slash apologist. Um, I want <laughs> I wanted to buy some more Kirby stuff. But you know, since we're actually recording this, I can open it in front of the camera. So, oh shit! For you yeah, at for live unboxing for you at home that doesn't have that's not watching this on a computer, you get to hear the normal, uh, you know, our normal audio unboxing. But this for people who watch YouTube, you can <laughs> check this out. Anyway, get out of here, Waddle D. Ah, ah. Box is open. We're wrestling ah. with the plastic. Spooky's looking bored. Dropped it. Here he is, little Waddle Dee. And there he is. He's yeah. free. He's super cool. Sitting he, on a sushi cloud. Yeah, he was like the only new. You know, like there were the Kirby ones, and all of them were reprints, like just looking different. He was the only one that was actually a new character. So I kind of always wanted to get him. But there we got old, old Waddles, old Waddle Dee Dee. That's a cool the, statue. Yeah, I like his. Uh, yeah, he's got those little clouds with the with the stars and his feet in the air. It's pretty rad. It's like he's farting cauliflower. 
yeah. So that was my final pur- purchase on Sunday, aside from like really expensive hot dogs and cheese fries and stuff. <laughs> All that shit food that we ate there. But yeah, it's a, like I said, it's kind of smaller. They were a couple of things that I saw that I would have bought if I had more money, which I didn't, because I did find a Dragon Quest 1 through 4, or Dragon Warrior 1 through 4 on NES. They had all of them in box there from different booths. They were all over like $100 each, but that's something I would love to get, like Dragon Quest 2, 3, and 4. They were all there. I, I yeah. have one, because that one was free with Nintendo Power. That one you can get for pretty cheap, but 2, 3, and 4 are pretty limited, and uh, I was surprised that I found all of them. I think I saw two copies of four there, or no, maybe it was two. I think I saw two twos and a three and a four, so if I had like an extra 500 bucks, I could have got all those, but, you know, it's uh, some of that stuff is just too expensive. Like, like I saw this, the uh, Punisher game for Sega Genesis, which is another game I'd love to get, but that was like $130, like with the box. Like, I'm like, I can't. Like, maybe it was 30, I'd do it, but, you know, it's like a beat-em-up with uh, Nick Fury's in it, too. It's like a two-player thing, and you can shoot people, and it's a great game, actually. It's, it's an arcade port. But, uh, yeah, I saw that one there, and I couldn't get it. I also saw the uh, most expensive game I saw there was uh, Little Samson in box for $3,200, which is hilarious because, like, in big letters it says 3500 and then there's a cross through it, and under it it says... Thirty-two hundred. <laughs> it's just funny that they like deal. took three hundred dollars uh, off, and they think people will be like, "Oh, I'll buy it now." You know, it's not I mean, still I was, like I was willing to pay thirty-five hundred, maybe. But when I saw it was thirty-two, <laughs> I was like, "Shit, I gotta, I gotta get the steal." I mean, it's already three thousand dollars. It's like if you're gonna pay three thousand dollars, I think whether it's five hundred or three hundred, really, or two hundred, doesn't really matter. But I thought that was cool. It was in a glass case, of course, so no one could touch it. But it, was there any, like, super pricey stuff that you saw, Jeremy, that you were like, oh, that's too much, or, like, you know, that's something I kind of want, but it's way too expensive? Well, I, I had mentioned I wanted a Dreamcast, and the cheapest one of those I saw was, I think, 65, 60 or 65. Yeah. Which it, which just seems too much. Like, I, I think I can buy one in town at Disc Replay for, like, 40 So uh, I was like, I might as well just wait till I get home and not carry that overpriced thing home mm, sure so that and then yeah the playstation 2 was like 90 wow yeah for the original wild. big one to get it with all the hookups and the controller and stuff and That's yeah it seemed, that seemed overpriced too so you know as far as anything like extravagantly overpriced uh not really i mean there are these like custom n64s that were kind of dumb looking and those were like 180, I think. Mm-hmm. And they just were like somebody did some custom plastic molding and made them look like Mario's overalls or something. And <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was almost as bad as that Pikachu one that you stood by, but <laughs> yeah. not not as bad. Yeah, that Pikachu one. So you ruined the N64 and want me to pay more? Yeah, exactly. For their uh, whatever their artistic intent or whatever it's called. I did something I did see cool that I haven't seen ever is uh Japanese GameCube games. There's a one of one of the booths there had a bunch of Japanese GameCube games. Had like the Biohazard, Resident Evil, you know, and like uh Luigi's Mansion and Pikmin and a bunch of other stuff. I don't know if the GameCube's backwards compatible. I'm thinking it probably isn't. But they're mm-hmm. like the cases are probably like they're like this big. They're like a third of the size of the um regular United States GameCubes. So I thought that was cool. They're like the size of the disc, but a little bit taller. But those are really neat okay. to see. 
I I think they were going for like forty fifty bucks, but it was just cool they to like see a switch them. case. Uh, smaller than switch cases. I'd say it's uh probably well, about is it, the. Is it the size of the disc that the disc for the uh, Game Boy Player comes in? It's uh about I guess it's like the size. It's like the width of the disc of the GameCube disc, and then it's just a little bit taller. So like about from like here to here. So those are really cool to see. That whole booth that they were at was super overpriced. Everything was overpriced there. But it was cool that they had Japanese GameCube games. Do you guys want to... I mean, we should probably talk about our overall thoughts on the show, right? Yeah. Before we, before we get to Billy before we get to Billy Mitchell, or should we do Billy Mitchell first? Talk about your thoughts. Okay. So, like, you've both been there before, and you say you're at a new venue now. What was the difference? Well, everything... It wasn't as as crowded as I thought it would be. It actually didn't seem all that crowded, I guess, in in the long run. But it was a, uh, you know, it's everything's a lot more spread out now. It was cool that they were able to like put the museum and the pinball stuff and a lot of the arcade stuff in the same room. Like that was really nice. They had a really huge room for that. So like coming in there, and on Sunday I actually did go look at a lot more of the museum stuff, which I didn't really get to do, like all the stuff that's on the old TVs and all that stuff up front. I played. I played more of that. But yeah, right at the front, you got all you got all the um, you know all the like uh, museum area, which is like basically console games and like tube TVs and all that stuff. And then to the side, they got you got like your full on eight player Smash Brothers hooked up and a couple like Mario Kart eights going, you know, stuff like that. There was a there was a Switch there playing uh, Mario Odyssey. I wanted to try it like last year. They had a couple Switches going, and I was able to like you know you hit home and I looked at their games and they had other stuff and i think i played like a uh, fast racing rmx and some other stuff on there than what was set up but there was a there was already always somebody on super mario odyssey so i was never able to play around with that but uh they had like a whole light gun area you know and they had the super scope 6 hooked up for uh for the terminator 2 arcade game so that's pretty cool i didn't know that worked with super scope 6 so i used that for a while that'd give you a game to actual play actually play with it right and i saw a kid yeah. buy a super so super scope 6 there like right Whoa. when I walked past, somebody actually bought one. That's a uh, kind of on my holy grail too. I I know there's not a whole lot of games for it, but I kind of always wanted that thing, the big giant. It's really cheap. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So I I still want to I want to get it, but the only one I saw somebody bought like right before I got to it. So, but I saw a lot of Super Scope Six uh, games, like the one that came with it. And I found a, saw a lot of those for a couple bucks. But uh, yeah, they got their light gun area. Um, the Zelda's crossbow training was there also, which is funny because uh. I remember John actually bought that that crazy uh, plastic attachment thing, and you gave me the crossbow game, and I love that crossbow game. <laughs> I played the shit out of it. I played it all the way through. I still have it. So. I have two copies. Yeah, yeah of it. I bought that yeah. for you too. Yeah, yeah. So it was good. It was cool to see that game again on there and <laughs> people playing it. But yeah, there were a ton of pinball games. There were four working medieval madnesses there, which is like my favorite pinball game ever. So I got to play that for a while. Um, they had a they they made like. Um, wooden cabinets for the uh for the zen pinball games so you could play that like as a pinball game but it had a big like screen on it so that was really cool that's cool like just played uh just played bob's burgers on that which leads me to my other purchases for the week which i haven't mentioned mentioned yet i ended up buying a i bought the the uh, fox pinball set that comes with like archer american dad uh family guy and bob's burgers i pretty much bought it for bob's burgers for Jess, because she really liked playing it on the show floor, and she's been playing that game. I also got the Doom Skyrim uh, Fallout as well to play. And the, the Doom pinball is kind of a little confusing. 
I couldn't figure out what to do. I, it's also like super dark, which I guess makes sense for Doom, but doesn't make sense for a pinball game. So I was having a hard time figuring out where to hit the ball to. But yeah, I played that. I played. A, I used the try one. I did the vertical mode and played it all that. I actually realized that you can you can also like flip the Joy Cons off and you can play it vertically with your thumbs on the screen, like it's a like it's a mobile game. So that's really cool. That's cool. Oh, if yeah. you don't have a try one and you actually want to like take it portably. You can play pinball just like that, just by tapping the screen. So that's cool. And I also bought a, I also bought Wild Guns Reloaded for this week's purchase, the thirty dollar HD re release of it, which I think it's a little overpriced still. You can watch my video on YouTube. I just put it up there with commentary and all that. Once I figured out that on beginner mode you can play through the game with unlimited lives, that really helped me because the game's incredibly hard. But if if you're just trying to go through it without you know without like doing that mode. It would take you a lot longer, but that's on there. It came out this Tuesday. It's probably like my pick of the week because I don't really know like what else. I haven't really seen much coming out tomorrow that looks interesting. But also, it isn't here yet. But I already pre-purchased Labo and uh, from Amazon, so it's getting delivered here on Friday. Hopefully, maybe tomorrow if I'm one of those ex- uh, one of those lucky people that gets stuff early. So those are my releases or my purchases. I continued to buy stuff after that because I finally got all that money back from uh, the Hilton. And I was like, well, shit, I might as well get uh, Wild Guns Reloaded and uh, those pinball games. But, yeah, I mean, that's our, that was how what I think about the uh, about the show floor there, I uh, guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, yeah, similar. Um, so I remember saying on the last episode, I said, I don't want to be a Debbie Doubter, but I think we might have witnessed the golden years. Um, I, I do kind of feel that way in a little bit but you'd seen two shows previously i just saw the one last year but um i don't think that things are as inaccessible as i thought they might be especially the people like it still seemed like you'd speak to anyone you wanted to talk to yeah um we still got to hang out with like people at the bar and got to meet a lot of cool people and actually talk to some of the uh special guests that were there and stuff as you'll hear in the uh in our interviews so i thought like it was a little bit of both of my expectations of like, you know, of be expecting to be disappointed in some ways because it was larger, but also like hoping that there would still be that intimacy that seemed to be at this versus like the Portland one that I went to. And it totally was that like, it still like felt more personable. Like you could just talk to anybody mm. at this one. And uh, so that was cool. And uh, I think, yeah, double down on what you said. It felt like the vendor tent was lacking. Um, there was a lot more space, but everything was more spread out and it didn't seem like there was, I don't know. Maybe my thought was maybe that, uh, booths were more expensive or tables because, Oh yeah. That could I didn't be. see, I didn't see any like the rock bottom. Like last year there was like, I remember there's one booth that was just like, it looked like a garage sale. It was just like <laughs> bins full of shit that you had to dig through. And like, I mean, Whatever, I don't think I bought anything from that booth, but it was cheap. You know, you can buy stuff for like a dollar there. And uh, I didn't see any booth like that at this show. Like everything, I guess, was a little classier than that. You know, there was no standing water on the ground. It wasn't a dirt floor. <laughs> well, this one was, the, yeah, that one the, was outside in a tent. Right. You know? So I guess it, it, it got classed up a little bit, but that came at the detriment of like some of that kind of flea market feel that it had before. Oh, sure. Well, there was we did come across a bin, like a free bin, like Jess and I did on Sunday. Oh, and it was filled with a whole lot of Star Wars VHS tapes in there. 
<laughs> some uh, Star Trek VH tapes, VHS tapes also, like ones that are like two episodes from Next Generation, you know, or like or like a metal Pokemon case that like has no lid or like and like random stuff like that. It was hilarious. But yeah, we did we did come across a bin that just said like take me like free, you know, and I couldn't find anything worth uh, taking out of there even. As much as I would love to have episode two on VHS, I mean, I already have it on Blu-ray and DVD, so I don't need, <laughs> the, don't need uh, the Nintendo PlayStation was there, of course, so it's the third time I've seen it. That's true. It and I just, just it was just right up front when you like got your ticket. Yeah, right when we walked you in, it was right in the corner. There wasn't a whole lot of ceremonious stuff about it. Like I don't think there was any panel about it, or maybe we missed it. I don't know. I do kind of miss like how how like condensed the it was in the previous years because it was really easier to get to the panels, I guess, because this one was on two floors. And I also miss it all being in one hotel. Like last year, like if you went to the hotel bar, you pretty much saw every special guest that was there because they were all at the bar. Yeah. You know, like last year we walked into the hotel, like went straight to the bar and Bob Mackey's just sitting there at the bar. And it's like, oh yeah, there's Bob, there's Ben Heck, there's all these other people, yeah. you know, they're all like right there. So I do kind of miss that because I was, we went to the bar in our hotel a couple times and that's when we saw Billy Mitchell the first time, for which we'll right. talk about in a couple minutes, but we saw him there. But I was like trying to figure out, like, I was like, I wonder where the Retronauts are staying at. And it turns out they were at a completely different hotel. Like a lot of, there were a lot of different hotels that were all attached to the city center. So it's kind of like, there were different options. Cool, really. Yeah. So, I mean, people were all spread out all over the place. So it was, it wasn't as easy to just like randomly run into somebody at the hotel bar. Plus our hotel probably had like 10 bars anyway, you know, so we probably wouldn't even, they're all weird parties and stuff that happened. But I don't know. There were everything was kind of uh, separated in other rooms. We went to the we went to the indie stuff. Jess and I did like the uh, mobile indie stuff the last day. Some of that stuff was cool. Signed up for some betas. You know, a couple of them. They I talked to them about. You know, everybody's trying to get on the Switch, so they did mention that they were hope a couple more hoping for a Switch release in the future. So I guess it's kind of like a pre Nintendo thing. And of course, Kevin had a room. There's an iPlay Games room. Um, Nintendo Age, we got to hang out with them. We did talk to them. There's an interview in there for that. Like, uh, guys that are making Nintendo games now, which is really cool that they have a room for that. And there was some, uh, there's some other games in there, which we didn't get interviews for. We only got them for like, uh, four, like one guy did three and one guy did one. But one of the main guys we talked to is like supposedly like the big, the big, uh, development guy about Memblers. Yeah. 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 He's a he's big deal. Guy. So yeah, the one who didn't say that much and is super humble, but we found out later from, uh, Haunted Halloween '86. That he's like, he's like the dude. He's he's yeah, like he, the fucking main. He's like the OG program yeah. dude. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about uh about the show? Um, just that I had a great time, and um, at first, what I do remember, like at first, I didn't get to stay at the show the whole time. I had to leave early to get yeah. back to work, and there's just this crazy like storm, like winter storm in Milwaukee, and uh, yeah, turns out like any a lot of the people that flew in I saw on Twitter like got mm -hmm. stranded, yeah, um, because of the snowstorm, and it was just a lot of a lot of bad weather up in the north north, I guess the northern part of the Midwest, I don't know, uh, in the U.S. Did you make but, uh, to work, okay, yeah, I did, I did, but uh, yeah, I was kind of bummed out I had to leave early that I didn't get to spend as much time on the show floor and um, playing games as last year. But once I got home and like got settled back in, you know, was home safe and everything, mm. all the stress was gone. I realized I had like a better time than any of the shows I've been to because I like got to talk to like some really cool people and like met some new friends and mm -hmm. um, just had like a really good time. Like we did some karaoke, which is, you know, not really part <laughs> of the 
part of the thing, but that was fun. And yeah, then, like, shout out to this. Shout out to yeah. the high note. This uh, super seedy, uh, you know, like dive bar of a karaoke bar, which I love. I love those type of bars. So it was fun. I got to do, uh, I sung my favorite karaoke song, Too Drunk to Fuck. And uh, <laughs> the karaoke DJ was pretty blown away by it because he said in his six years of karaoke DJing, nobody had ever sang that song. So that's always good to hear <laughs> when you can, uh, you know, startle the audience and all that, which is pretty much what that song is. But it's so much fun to sing. And there's yeah, a, then we got to go to the uh, 1983 arcade bar. And we met yeah with the uh, other podcasters and uh, friend of, friends of the show. With, yeah, yeah, yeah well, friends of the show, uh, Bob Mackey and Jeremy Parrish. Uh, we met uh, Nate Nate Lockhart. Uh, he does um he does a another podcast as well. And uh, uh, Caitlin Oliver, who's like holds uh, one of the records for uh, Splatterhouse. She was on uh, Retronauts last year. Jan, a friend of the show, Janet Garcia, was there also. We got to hang out yeah. with her. Uh, Jeremy got to meet her in person and talk to her. Uh, Finally. Kevin K. Fair. Kevin Fair was there also yep. for my play games. And, that uh, was cool meeting Kevin also. Yeah. So we, we all got to hang out and have shots and get drunk. And they had uh, NES Classics and Super Nintendo Classics hooked up. So uh, I remember like Jess rocked a lot of uh, Super Mario Brothers 3 on there on the TV behind the bar. So that was fun. We got to play some of that stuff. My favorite... Uh, they had the mixed drinks that were video game themed. I didn't get any cocktails, but like the double dragon. There guy, yeah, there's a guy who got the double dragon, and it was literally oh, yeah. two drinks. It was two Red Bull vodkas. Yeah, yeah, that's all it was was two Red Bull vodkas. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I don't know why there's two, and I'm like, oh well. And I, I was like, I was wondering why it was ten dollars. Like, there can't be like ten dollars for Red Bull vodka seems kind of ridiculous, especially in like Milwaukee. I mean, we, oh. we were drinking rye whiskeys for like four dollars. Like that's pretty much unheard of in Chicago, but you know, it was, a, but that was fun. Yeah. We all got a uh, good and wasted. And, uh, and probably the reason that I didn't buy as many games is I did spend most of my money at the, at the arcade bar buying, buying drinks for, for everybody there, but it was fun. And I, I didn't play any of the arcades there, but we had a lot of drinks and talked about podcasts and podcasting and all that. So it was really fun. And thanks to everyone that we met there, you know, we had, yeah, we had an awesome some time. of whom may be on future episodes hopefully. yeah that's the plan we we may have a couple guests in, our, in the future here so so it's cool well uh so yeah I had, I had a fantastic time and yeah i'm sad it's over it feels almost like church camp or something back in the day like yeah. this that feeling like man i'm not going to be around all those people again for another year mm-hmm. but i had a really good time with the moms there yeah i was really happy that play anything cool that you haven't played before not really this time around. I played uh, this game, like I said, and which I already forgot the name of it, unfortunately. But Space it was, Gap uh, Battlegrounds, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was with the it was with the guys who made the game. So the two gentlemen who had programmed it were there, and so like one other like guy on the show floor was playing the game with me, and uh, yeah, Galactic Battleground. Um, but it was a really cool arcade cabinet. It had. Uh, beer holders built into it you know it's Mm. meant to be a party game um there's a lot of power-ups and you're not just shooting at each other you're also uh trying to push asteroids at each other and Mm. there's like stationary um turrets that you can shoot and cause them to shoot in different directions so they're like firing back at the other guys so it's pretty fun the uh the two guys were super nice and were answering a bunch of questions about the game while i was playing it so Mm. i thought that was cool um do you, do you remember what that analog game was that they had in the arcade room that we played the in the Galloping Ghost Room? It's called like Mountain Climber or something, and it had like a little pinball ball and like these uh these silver like uh hills and a steering wheel, and it was like pretty cool. Like you would basically 
these hills would go up and down, like as you turn the steering wheel. And you basically wanted to try to like move this ball all the way up to the top without it falling out any of the holes on the side. And that game was really cool. Like it's not a video game at all. Like there's no video stuff to it at all. It's all completely analog, but that was really fun to play. Like it was just an interesting game that I never seen before. And I was like, wow, this is uh, pretty awesome, you know? Yeah, I was watching a, a guy play it, and it looked really hard. Yeah, you basically got to go, uh, like, really quick. You got to be, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I had fun with that. But it really that. did. It looked like something from, like, you know, maybe that, like 50s or 60s. or Yeah. I don't know if it was really that old, but it looked like it was. Super old school analog uh, stuff. Yeah, Jess and I, that on Sunday, there was actually it was actually open because most of the time there were people in there. And we played it for a while and tried to figure it out. I think I got to, like, the second to the last. I almost got all the way to the top, but... It was cool. Like once you figure out how to do, it. you got to be really fucking quick on it though, because oh, you can't. I didn't see that yeah. football game. Yeah, the football game wasn't there. The Atari football that we played last year with the trackball. I was looking for that one, but I didn't find it anywhere, unfortunately. So I played that new. Uh, the Mortal Kombat guys were there. Uh, Johnny Cage, uh, Liu Kang, and Jax. They were all there. We didn't get interviews with them because I figured they were too busy. And I don't know. And but um, Galloping Ghosts, they have a new game coming out. I forget what it's called, but. Dark Presence, something like that. Anyway, you, you could try it. You could play that there. Yeah, Jess and I played it. It's kind of a funny game because it's like it's supposed to be like a new Mortal Kombat game, so it's like all these actors recorded fighting each other, but it's in HD, so it ends up looking like a hilariously bad like '90s CD-ROM, you know, like live action thing. <laughs> it reminds me of like it reminds me of those like you remember those like hologram arcade games the sega ones mm-hmm. yep. with like the magician and stuff like that it reminds me of that you know where it's like it looks cool but it doesn't really work and yeah. it's weird canned animation yeah it just looks so funny and like uh like one of the owners doc mac he's a character on there and uh and you know like of course the mortal kombat guys are in there and they help to them figure out all the moves and all that and it's kind of funny like if it ever gets a switch release i'll totally buy it just like for the fun of playing it but it looks kind of just because it's like, like I said, like because it's live action and it's HD, it looks kind of hilarious. And the background is polygon, which makes it even weirder, you know, because it's like real pictures of people, like flat pictures of people on a 3D background. It's just, it just feels so bizarre to me to play that game. But yeah, Justin and, it's and I played by the it. Guys from Galloping Ghosts. Yeah, it was like their, uh, it's like their passion like project. They wanted to make a, they wanted to make mm-hmm. a like Mortal Kombat, like one, two, or three style new arcade game. You know, where there's actual, like, actors doing the moves and all that. So, But I'll be really interested. And there were two big there were two big arcade cabinets there that you can play of it. And I remember them talking about it last year, and it's still just being, like, a glimmer in their eye and all that. And now it's, like, actually out there. So it's awesome. Big, big news thing that we haven't talked about yet. It happened in between shows, but I actually think we did kind of hint at this when, because you know that one guy got outed about his scores. I don't remember his name, but the guy who played all those games that nobody else had played, and he said he had a certain score, and like the some, you know, some Time scientist... Something, right? I don't know. Yeah. Some scientists looked at it, and they're like, this isn't real. And uh, people were saying, like, you know, Billy Mitchell is coming next, and I'd read some stuff about his stuff maybe being an emulation or whatever. Anyway, uh, 
he got completely like kicked out of uh, Twin Galaxies. Like none of his scores are real, and he's banned for life, is what I heard. <laughs> so yeah, he can never and he be got in there to, ever uh, again. Guinness World Records. Yeah, and Steve Wiebe is now the official first person to break a million on Donkey Kong. So because now Billy Mitchell, you know, I saw an interview with uh, or read an interview with Steve Wiebe. And one of the things that he was commenting on was he said he never thought that the story would it would end like this, and he was reflecting on how Hollywood was trying to make a, a King of Kong, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fictionalized narrative, but they could never quite do it because the end wasn't all that satisfying. Yeah, yeah. And now he's saying he wouldn't be surprised if people start knocking on his door again. Because now, uh, yeah, because now there's the cheating and all that, yeah. Because now there's the satisfying ending where where he wins in the end. Mm -hmm. Well, he does win uh, in the end, in the original one. It's in the credits, but in King of Kong, there is... Because remember, like, at the very end, he's in his basement, and you hear the noises, and slowly climbs up, and he does break a million again. Yeah, He he was saying that he thinks now there might be... uh, He was hinting that there might be a chance for, for the Hollywood version to get made... Mm-hmm. Now with this story. Yeah. And even like the first time I met Billy Mitchell, we did, uh, you know, back when John was just a guest, we did the, uh, we did our King of Kong episode mm-hmm. where we yeah. talked about Billy Mitchell. And I, and I was kind of on his side because he was talking about like how he was uh, misrepresented and all that. And, you know, I don't know all the details of it, but we did actually get to meet Billy Mitchell at MGC. So I did get we to, did. Dir- I did get to directly talk to him. I didn't talk to him about the, um, scores and all that in particular i was just trying to figure out whether he was going to have a panel or not but i did talk directly to him and richie knuckles like just saying like hey man what's up you know and i was just like i know i I just came up to him and i was like hey i know you're doing like a statement later but is there going to be a panel or something that i can go to i was like i totally go and watch it and he was very much like yeah i really want to i want to get a panel like i want to see everybody like being angry at me and like record that and like he's almost like billy mitchell is such like a I mentioned this to Bob at the at the at the arcade, but he's so much like a wrestler. You know, he reminds me of like a professional wrestler that just like he wants to be the heel. You know, he just wants everybody to hate him because he loves like the publicity out of it, and that's very much like what Billy Mitchell is. And he that's to be the villain. Yeah, he kind of runs with it. You know, he's like, I want people to be angry at me. I want to get I want to get footage of that. Like, I want gnashing teeth and all that. I'm like, yep, that's. Uh, it reminds me of like. NWO or like you know like I mean, that, the uh, dude, that type of thing. I don't think the dude was scheduled to be there, as far as I know. And he was at no, he, he was wasn't. at a game convention, and yeah. he was it, it just in the midst of the controversy. He's just out there in the public hanging out with people. I mean, I thought yeah. it was pretty ballsy and yeah, kind of like contrary to what most people that are wrapped up in controversy would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And Walter Day was there too. So Walter I guess, Day was there. Yeah, saw him together, or I don't think they were. I think Walter Day was just there. But uh, Richie Knuckles, um, he was at that arcade expo when I when I first met Billy Mitchell. He's been a big supporter of his, and uh, he um, he used to work for Twin Galaxies as well. And uh, they did they did a statement. We can actually we can listen to it on the show if you want to, and we could we could talk about it more if you. Want. It's very quick. Sure. So does that mean it said it was on Keemstar's channel? Was Keemstar there? Because he's kind of a pretty big YouTuber. I, I don't know who Keemstar is. I thought it was on Richie Knuckles' uh, YouTube. It has 204,000 views, so... Hi, I'm Billy Mitchell. We're here at the Midwest Gaming Classic. I'm here with Old School Gamer Magazine. I've been asked to address things that are recently in the media. 
The fact of the matter is, now there is a true professional due diligence being done to investigate things that happened as far as 35 years ago in a professional manner, not in a shock jock mentality designed to create hits. We will show that everything that has been done, everything was done professionally, according to the rules, according to the scoreboard, the integrity that was set up, not 2014 forward by the current regime who wants to reach back 35 years. Everything will be transparent. Everything will be available. I wish I had it in my hands right now. I wish I could hand it to you. But it's taken a considerable amount of time. Witnesses, documents, everything will be made available to you. Nothing will be withheld. You absolutely have my commitment to that. We've been at this since 1982, and it's not going to stop now. So, yeah. That's, Very uh, cryptic. <laughs> there's Billy Mitchell's uh, statement on that. Recorded on the show floor. Uh, he must have recorded it Sunday because he's wearing his black suit because he was wearing a white suit on Saturday. I actually mm -hmm. have pictures of him on Twitter at Nintendo underscore domain of him playing Pac-Man on the arcade floor, which was pretty cool. And uh, right after, and while he was doing it, they cut the power. So I thought that was even funnier because at the end of the at the end of the day, you know, when the when the show closes, they just flip a switch and all the arcades go down. Instead of like going around and telling people to stop playing, you know, they just they just shut them all off at eight o'clock. And I was on a I was on the Medieval Madness pinball machine, and I look at my watch and it says eight. You know, I look at my phone and it says eight o'clock. And I'm like, oh, you know, maybe we could go for a little bit longer. And like, right after that, it's like, boom, and everybody's like, no, and they all yell at the same time. It was pretty hilarious. <laughs> Somebody had a, uh, I noticed one of the staff of the of the uh, convention center had their phone up in the air recording it right at the moment that the power went off. They must have expected it because there was just this giant cacophony of, oh. Yeah, <laughs> this giant room. It was pretty awesome. And it's funny because on my way to Medieval Madness, I watched. I walked past Billy Mitchell playing Pac Man, and right before I talked to him, somebody came up to him and asked him about his scores, and he said they were all legit. You know, he said, "Yeah, my Pac Man scores are legit." Whatever. And then that video, you know, he's saying that he has evidence to prove that everything is legit. So I'm kind of interested to see what becomes of that. Of course, we'll follow it on Nintendo Main Podcast because. You know, Billy Mitchell is uh, quite a guy, and he's fun, fun guy to talk about. But, but yeah, and coincidentally, he did follow me on Twitter. So you know, well, that's we're uh, yeah. kind of friends now. <laughs> well, you did get a picture with him and posted it and all that. Which yeah. uh, I I don't know if I ever posted that picture I got of him from that arcade expo. But yeah, according to that video, he came he came to the show with um, the old school the retro retro gaming magazine. So, or was it old school gaming magazine? It was old like school gaming. Magazine. Yeah, old school, yeah, yeah. The so, same uh, magazine that I saw it at the convention I went to. Yeah, I thought about. Yeah, it. I have a copy of it. Yeah, I thought about talking to them or whatever because you know you said they were looking for writers, but but yeah, he was over by their booth, so he did have a booth technically, like their booth. So he was there. Funny. I saw someone had tagged on Instagram that they bought his hot sauce, so he must have had some of his. Oh, of course, hot sauce yeah, he always brings sale. that shit with him. It's expensive; like it was like sixty bucks or something when I saw him at the arcade expo before. But uh, yeah, funny thing about the uh, them killing the arcades at the end of the day. I just wanted to mention on Sunday. Speaking of games you wanted to play, I really wanted to play Cuphead. They had a Cuphead on and on display there. And there were people on it all day. And finally, somebody got off of it, and I walked over there to play it for like the last twenty minutes on Sunday. 
And the dude was like, uh, he's like, I got to, I got to unplug this before they, before they shut this, shut this, the stuff down. I'm sorry. You can't play it. So I never got to play it. He like pushed me away. He's like, no, you what can't play dick. it. He's like, I gotta turn, he's like, I gotta turn this down like right before they turn the power off. So like the system doesn't get messed up. And I'm like, okay. I mean, like I've been sitting here for like 10 minutes waiting to play this game and I can't, you can't give me like a couple minutes with the game. Like, come on, dude. But yeah, I got, I got pushed, I got shooed away from Cuphead. So that was a game I wanted to play that was on the show floor, but there was well, always the somebody on kept, it. There was one game that kept working when everything else was off. Oh yeah. That was the, um, that was the fighting games in the corner. That was like Dragon Ball fighters and, uh, Street uh-huh. Fighter. Those were still on when everything else went off. But yeah, I mean, that was Billy Mitchell's big statement. Uh, I'm wondering what his evidence is, but and I love that after I was call- comparing him to a professional wrestler, like in the video, he says that it's not like a, it's not like scare tactics or like a, whatever you would call it, like a, you know, to just get try to get people to look at it, but it totally is publicity yeah, publicity stunt or whatever. What do you guys think? Uh, do you, th- do you I, think, I think Billy Mitchell got a raw deal? We were just sitting at the bar, and of course, we were talking about Billy Mitchell because it's the hot topic. Yeah, we didn't expect, but him to be I, there. I still think it was strange that. We were sitting there talking, and then, you know, all of a sudden you're like tapping on me, like, look behind you. Yeah. Like, I'm like, what? Like, and he was there. Like, was yeah. like, it took me off guard, of course. And his so fucking like, white what? suit. And yeah. I, I turn around, and he was like six feet away on a cell phone, you know. And it, it was a normal cell phone, but in my mind, I imagined it as a giant, like, 90s cell phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> To match his giant hair and his just giant uh-huh. self, he's like a super tall dude. He's he's big. He's really tall. Yeah, but it was funny. Uh, I just turned around. I was like, "Oh god, he's right there." So yeah, Billy Mitchell. Anyway, uh, all this speak of MGC. Let's let's cut to our uh, interviews that we did at the show. Hi, this is Trey and uh, Jeremy here from hey, what's the Domain Podcast. We're at the uh, MGC uh, 2018 show, and uh, we're here in the Nintendo Age area of the show. And um, I, don't, I guess I didn't get you guys' names yet, but you uh, you did some some games here, right? Yeah, I'm Bo from Soul Goose Productions, and I'm uh, Mimblers from Mimbler Industries. <laughs> cool. Hmm. And um, tell me about some of the games that you guys have here. Um, I have a game that's sort of like a Robotron-esque deal. You play with uh, two NES controllers. You turn them sideways, so you, you got your thumbs on each D-pad, and then run one direction and shoot all the others. Um, I think it's really cool you've got a modified Virtual Boy controller plugged into it right now. Yeah, so, like, holding two controllers is not the funnest thing. So funnest thing. Uh, so I modified it to work with a Super Nintendo controller through an adapter and then also a Virtual Boy controller because it was you know, the only con- Nintendo controller with dual D-pads. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. I see it's only plugged into one port. I was wondering how you, how you made that work. It's just a, yeah. some kind of adapter, or did you have to put a, a board inside of the controller? To- no, you actually just like solder on the NES cable to a Virtual Boy controller, and you run it. You just have to sort of pull the controller differently. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it works the same way that the four score works. Uh, That's cool. I, have, I actually have a couple extra virtual boy, virtual boy controllers. That's why I'm interested. 
That's a good use for them. you got to imagine most Virtual Boys are pretty much dead at this point, yeah, so there's I've a lot of controllers. They don't work very well. Yeah, when it was when I walked in, it was like red. The screen was, and I was like, "Oh, is that a, is it only red and black?" But I see that it has color. <laughs> yeah, space helmet TV. Yeah, no, it's a yeah. If it's a the, this is audio only, so you can't really see it, but everybody at home. But yeah, it's a, a, it's a rounded uh, TV thing. Jeremy will tweet it later. But uh, <laughs> and it's a it's Spookotron. I don't know if we said the name of it already, but you said it's like it's like a Robotron, right? So sort of a dual stick thing, but with a gate with the, the uh, digital pad? Right? Yeah, well, you can use two NES controllers, you can use the Super, you can use the Virtual Boy, and yeah, it's just sort of a Halloween-themed kind of Virtual Boy-esque game. It, it's got less randomness than Robotron did. Oh, okay. But, uh, Are there levels? Like, do you progress? Yeah, like, yeah. You go? 101 levels. Uh, oh, a wow. lot of them were designed by Kickstarter backers. Oh, cool. And, yeah. Nice. What, uh, what inspired you to, uh, to make this? I was sort of one, once I figured out you could use a Virtual Boy controller and nobody else had done it yet, I was like, you know what? I'm going to find a game that I can make that uses it. And nice. so Robotron's sort of the go-to with dual stick things and just kind of came from that. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, this is the first time I've seen anything like that, any sort of uh, Virtual Boy controller used for anything, aside from the Virtual Boy, of course. I'm afraid people don't quite know what to do with it when they show up and they grab the Virtual Boy controller, they see the NES cartridge, and they're like, huh? What's going on here? But uh, I don't know, they seem to enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? I mean, just just hit One start and just run with it. It's actually kind of fun to watch how confused people look when they walk by, especially with the with that uh, with the thing down on it. For sure. Oh yeah, yeah. That <laughs> when it, the visor on it. That's what I'm saying. When it was uh, red and white was what is when I thought it was a virtual boy thing. And yeah, uh, you did you did the programming on the game also, right? Oh yeah, I, uh, this is the first game that I've programmed fully from you know the ground up. Uh, I did some other stuff, sort of editing another guy's work, but yeah, this one was all me, except for the art. I did have an artist, uh, Chris Cacciatore. He did just amazing work, and then Kevin Hanley did the music on it. Uh, he runs Khan Games, which has done a lot of NES homebrews. Nice. And uh, this is, is this your only uh, homebrew NES game that you made, or do you have other stuff? Uh, I've published some other things. i published Swords and Runes, Zero to X, and then this is my third release, uh, Spookatron. Cool. I mean, do, a, do you guys sell it here, like at the show? Like, can you buy copies of it, like the cartridge? Uh, I'm still sort of fulfilling the Kickstarter rewards and stuff like that, but I, I do like to get it out to demo and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Do the were the did the Kickstarter people did they get a copy like for a yeah tier, tier or whatever? Uh, most people ended up with a physical you know CIB copy or there was a sort of a special edition that I'm still kind of finishing up because I wanted to do some extra things with. But yeah, yeah. Do they come with the modified controller also with the Virtual Boy controller? I have offered them to backers first, and then I'll offer them to the public. But yeah, I've got. Before I released the game, I decided to buy a bunch of controllers because I figured the price would spike a little bit, and they've got 40 or so sitting around. Oh, wow. Nice. If, uh, if I was to, like, can you, like, order this online anywhere? You can at soulgooseproductions.com. You can almost order it. Uh, right now it says sold out, but, uh, yeah, if you wait a week or so, it should be up. Okay, cool. Yeah, soulgoose.com then, so check that out. Soulgooseproductions.com. And uh, you, uh, you have a podcast as well that you do, right? Oh, yeah. I, I suppose I do. Do you want to I mean, plug that on here? Go sure. For it. Uh, yeah, I run with uh, Kevin Hanley, Kahan Games. We run a podcast called The Assembly Line, an NES homebrew podcast where we, each week we talk, uh, not each week, each episode, we talk about 
uh, different game. We sort of feature it. We talk about what's going on in the community. We sort of talk about a theoretical issue, and then we feature some music and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so I, I take it it's all like uh, the NES style music, then, right? Or like in that same yeah, we, or whatever. Yeah, we feature music from games or from guys who make chip tunes, stuff like that. Yeah, and it's all homebrew stuff. We don't do you know any license. So, oh, okay. But. Nice. Do do you do uh, chip tune stuff then? Yeah, yeah. I've uh, written a lot of music starting back in the '90s, kind of like late '98, '99 or something. And I don't write as much music lately, but. Um, I've been more into the hardware kind of thing lately, designing the circuit boards. So some, some of these newer games are released using my board, like the Spookatrons one, and games by Kevin Hanley, like The Incident, and Tailgate Party, Orb Games, and some of the ones that are using my board. And <clears throat> cool. Nice. For sure. Um, do, you have a, do you have a SoundCloud or anything like that with your music on it? No. no so I mostly don't. your music's just showing up in games. Some of it has, yeah. I've got like NSF files, and um, I've mostly got one big NSF file. It's got like over 180 tracks. It's mostly all stuff I'd written like by this point. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's got a lot of Zero to X has some of my music in it. And they're all older songs too, but I mean, it's still fun stuff. Have you tried like getting anything on like Spotify or anything like that so people can uh, or putting it on YouTube or whatever so it's No, I found some of my stuff on YouTube. Other people have uploaded. Oh, but uploaded. <laughs> that's always kind of that's kind of surprising yeah. to find but Yeah, well that I guess that kind of happens. <laughs> you should come after him with a copyright and all that. <laughs> right? Make make him take it down, block the video. <laughs> Do you, do you guys have any, like, future games planned? Like, are you planning on doing, like, any, like, homebrew Super Nintendo stuff or anything like that? Um, Ooh, Super Nintendo is a weird animal. Because I know that there's, like, I noticed there's so many homebrews for, like, NES, but, like, not a whole lot of people do, like, yeah, I think Super, Super Nintendos Nintendo, or Genesis stuff or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, I think it's a bit more intimidating for people to get into because there's a lot more expected from the game just graphically. Mm-hmm. That makes it a lot, definitely a lot harder to... Yeah, you can't quite make it as simple, I guess, or as, yeah, <laughs> yeah, as to the point. But I mean, I there's it's definitely Super Nintendo's been growing, not as much as the NES has grown. I mean, the NES homebrews like mm-hmm. exploded pretty much. But you get out of that range of one person being able to do anything. Although oftentimes, you know, we'll hire an artist or a musician or whatnot. It is it's stuff you can't do all yourself with Super Nintendo. But Genesis Homebrew has been, you know, that's pretty solid. Pure Solar, uh, some others, uh, Xeno Crisis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I just I guess I just haven't seen it here yet or I haven't I haven't There's been one back. In, Oh, well. There's one back there. Not yeah. this I meant like previous years. <laughs> not, yeah. not, not this year yet. But yeah, no, that's that's cool. Uh yeah, no, I'm always interested in seeing like new games for old systems and all that. I think it's really cool that you guys are still doing that stuff. Um do you want to just uh just plug one more time you guys' names and uh, where they, where people can find you. Oh, yeah. Um, you can find me on the Nestev website. or We have a forum there. and I have memblers.com, but there's not really much there. It's kind of a placeholder. <laughs> but other than, yeah, other than that, you know, I supply circuit boards for kind of independent developers. I'm not really a publisher myself. I just sort of ship the hardware so people can release their stuff and try to do you know good quality for a low price. And, Sounds cool. Yeah, and I run soulgooseproductions.com. I do some publishing. I help distribute uh, GT ROM boards for memblers and then, yeah, make games when I can. Nice. Sweet. Well, I'm hoping to – I want to play the Spookatron right now because we haven't actually got to try it out yet. But, yeah, 
that'll be that'll be what we do next. But yeah. thanks a lot, guys, for yeah, for, so for talking for, to us. Thank uh, you. Pleasure, pleasure to meet you. Yeah, yeah. nice to meet you. Nintendo main podcast again. I guess I probably don't need to say this every time because hey, this will be on a whole. This will be on a whole episode. But uh, we have uh, somebody from the Pokemon podcast, which are, or is it a? No, that's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I know it's a. Uh, it's like PK. Uh, PKMNCAS cast. Yeah, yeah. But the show is called It's Super Effective. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Has the uh, different Pokemon types. Oh, we yeah we talked to you guys briefly last last uh, year, but I wanted to actually get an interview this time. So. Do you wanna, here we are. Here we are. Uh, so it's happening. It, what's so? What's your name? Uh, uh, my name is SBJ. Just my initials, but you call me Steve. Uh, but yeah, I've started it's super effective about eight years ago. Oh, oh wow. wow! Yeah, Dang. long time ago. And yeah, it's a weekly Pokemon podcast that covers everything from Pokemon Go to Sun and Moon to the TCG to the anime, uh, and it comes out every single Monday. Oh, nice. Uh, have you um, have you exceeded the number of Pokemon yet with your episode numbers? No. Like, are you? Uh, I, I don't know how many. What are there? Like six hundred now? Or there something? are over eight hundred now at oh, this okay. point. Nice. Yeah. Well, I guess you probably don't do a hundred a year. But I was like, I was like eight years. You, you must have a lot. Yeah. Of no. We now. have like three hundred numbered episodes. But when like Sun and Moon came out, we did like a fourteen part series, which was like not numbered. So then, oh it, wow, it's a mess. How? Uh, <laughs> I mean, how detailed do you get? In, I mean, this is. Just a Pokemon podcast. So, like, do you? I, I take it you get pretty deep into the game if you have like a fifteen-part uh, episode based on. Yeah, uh, we do. I mean, most of it's thoughts and opinions, and like how we're enjoying it or we're not enjoying. But standard episodes are covering Pokemon news, which I feel like if you're listening to a Pokemon podcast, you're probably already like checking news sources. Oh, sure, and yeah. So, like. It's just more of thoughts and opinions on the news and what we think and speculation. And then we have, like, a, a longer segment. Like, for example, two weeks ago, we focused a lot on Detective Pikachu because that just oh, came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we do listener email, which can either be Pokemon or non-Pokemon related. Um, and then we have our Pokemon of the week where we do spend time, like, focusing on a specific Pokemon like Venusaur or Mareep or... Um, whatever else zangoose or something where yeah. we'll look like this is what this pokemon's based off of this is where it's from this is its move set like so on and so forth but overall like a general pokemon podcast because you can find specific shows that are only go related or only tcg related but we kind of cover everything and i guess we have the advantage of we've been doing it for so long so nice uh what is what's your favorite pokemon personally oh man i get asked that like a million times a day when <laughs> I'm, i stream i'm, I'm sure you do I'm yeah just, uh, I mean, I mean, I'd like, I'd like to know. You know? Uh, it changes. It definitely changes from time to time. But like, my defaults are probably like Farfetch, which is like a Generation One that most people oh, yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chandelure is really great. Which Chandelure, is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that like ghost uh, yeah. chandelier. Um, and then uh, for some reason, recently, I really got into Corsola, and I think it was because of Pokemon Go, because Corsola is only oh, okay. a- available near the equator. Oh. Um, and Ooh. so we, when we were down in Texas, I spent like two days being like, "Are we close enough to get Corsola?" <laughs> Um, but it's it's a really cute Pokemon. Have you uh, how how far is or how's your Pokedex doing on Pokemon Go? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I'm 
one step away from getting Mew, which is the, okay. the hot the hot stuff. But uh, otherwise, besides a couple regionals, Kanto's all done, Johto's all done, and okay. just need like a Salamance and like a slacking for Hoenn, and then I should be set. Okay. Are you, have you been like traveling around the world? Because aren't there ones that are only in different countries? Like yeah. That, that um, so some got released elsewhere. So like Kangaskhan's only available in Australia. But oh, if you yeah, went yeah, to the yeah. Pokemon World Championship, Kangaskhan oh, okay. was spawning there. Oh, yeah. Um, and then for Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving, they've made Farfetch available everywhere, which is a Japan exclusive. <laughs> so the only one I think I'm really missing from... Uh, Kanto is Mr. Mime, which is European exclusive. Oh, okay. All right. Wow. <laughs> didn't they? Uh, didn't they like recently update Pokemon Go? Like I've I've seen it. I've seen it out in the world more. Recently. Yes, they added uh, daily quests and um, like daily. I, I I guess quests. It's like, it's almost like World of Warcraft or something, where it's like oh, instances. Yeah, well, not instances, but it's like. World of Warcraft has a lot of like kill these four enemies or like kill the or collect these five berries. Oh, okay. Pokemon Go has that now where it's like catch three fire type Pokemon or spin six gyms or fight in like three gyms and when you do that you unlock rewards and that's one of the ways to get Mew is there's more specific ones like so one of the steps for Mew is uh evolve a Gyarados which takes 400 candy which is quite a bit. Oh, oh yeah yeah yeah. The um like from the uh Magikarp, right? Yeah. 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 So Is it Evolve 2 with a Gyarados? Right? Evolve from- 2 a Gyarados, yeah. yeah. So Magikarp into Gyarados. So yeah. it's one of the hardest ones to evolve in the game. So that's one of the steps to get to Mew, which is pretty cool of being like, mm-hmm. hey, you should probably have a Gyarados before you get one of the rarest Pokemon in the game. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I always wonder. I mean, I, I played Pokemon a li- Pokemon Go a little bit, but uh, I, did get a, I did get a couple um, of the uh, Magikarps, and I'm like... Uh, how lo- what do I need to do to uh, get it? Because I would always just carry them in Locks. the in the group, you know, and then just yeah. Well, in the original one, you know, put them out first, and then cycle them out, and then put yes. somebody stronger in yeah. there to do in the main series before yeah. the experience experience share and all that, which really made everything right. a lot better. Uh, what's your? I mean, what's your favorite like generation of the Pokemon games? Would you say? Uh, right now, I would have to say like Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, Gen Seven, the newest oh, ones. Okay. And the only reason I say that is like some people don't like it because there's no gyms, there's trials instead, and mm-hmm. there's a, it's very story heavy, which people don't really enjoy because they want to skip through and stuff. Oh, but okay. I think I like it a lot because not only did not only did it cust- uh, make things a lot more easier, like they got rid of HMs and all that stuff, so you don't need one Pokemon knowing. Oh Sir, yeah, that was one Pokemon knowing Fly. Yeah, no, that was so good. I'm glad they finally did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah that so um, and then. Just, like, a lot of quality of life stuff, but Ultra Sun Ultra Moon was the first game I completed my Pokedex in, finally, after, like, you know, 20 years, because I completed Red and Blue back in the day. But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all the other Dexes were so daunting, because they want 800 or 700 or 600, yeah. but in Ultra Sun Ultra Moon, they only needed 400 to complete the Dex, which felt really good to do that. Mm. Um, and then, because I completed it, it made me want to go backwards, of, like, I do want to complete the Dex now in, mm-hmm. in X and Y or in Black and White 2. Um so if it wasn't for those games and just, like, the right time, right place for me, I probably would have never gone backwards. Oh, okay. Do you um, do, you do like, competitive uh, Pokemon? I don't. Any of that? No, yeah. I did. I did when Generation 5 came out. When Unova first came out, I, did, I was very competitive. I traveled for it, went mm-hmm. to VGCs and stuff. But uh, it's very time-consuming, and it's not my favorite part of the game. I like collecting sure. more yeah. than battling. Do you have, like, a favorite type? Of the Pokemon? Water, probably. Water? Which yeah. is funny, because I don't okay. know how to swim. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, But you can surf, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 you can surf. Yeah. 
<laughs> if you have the ability, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was always uh, I was always a fan of the psychic type. Well, at least in the first one, it was yeah. like, super overpowered. Very and, overpowered. And uh, Cal- what was it? Um, was it a Cal- Calazam? Like the Alakazam. Alakazam. Yeah, he was always my favorite one. Yeah, because he was super. He was like OP, like through the whole thing. Like the first. Like, Pokemon Blue was the one I played the most, and I got, like, 120. I didn't get all of them, but... 120 is pretty that good. That was the most that I ever yeah. got was in that game, and I actually got my friends to buy copies of it so we could, like, trade the starters and all that shit. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> sure. Um, uh, have you uh, have you guys talked about... Uh, I'm sure you've talked about the Switch release, right? Like, the mm-hmm. new one. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I know there's been, like... Uh, there's been, like, leaks and stuff, supposed, or, like, yeah. there's supposed to be, like, a Pokemon Rumble or whatever. So like, far, I think everything has been fake uh, so far, but, yeah, yeah it's, like... I think we've gotten th- three or four batches of like here are the starters and they've oh yeah yeah, they yeah. haven't been real. Uh, I'm excited for it, uh, but I am in no rush for it. I mean, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon are only like five months old at this point, mm. uh, and it's it's a little frustrating that people are so ready for this because yeah. overall, Sun and Moon is not that old. I mean, that no. Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon was November, Sun and Moon just a year before that. So I like Gen Seven a lot. I think a lot, it burned a lot of people out, so they want to the new thing, but. Whether it comes out this year or next year or the year after, uh, I'm in no rush. Like, I'm excited for it, but, like, I would rather them take their time. Yeah, yeah. I think people are more excited just that it's a console Pokemon. I mean, yes. Just the fact that they've been asking for that for 20 years now and it's finally happening. But you can also throw it in your bag, which will be super sweet. Oh, yeah. Because I take my Switch everywhere and my DS kind of now sits on my desk because it's mm. kind of burnt out for me. It's just a shame that, like, because uh, you have all those generations of Pokemon and 3DS, and you're kind of losing that, like, for it going to the Switch and all that. You know, there's, like, no Pokemon Bank or, like, any way for yeah. you to, you know, because they kind of made it to where you could bring all your guys in. You can even do it from, like, the original ones now, like, through Virtual Console. Yeah, I would I would assume if they can add Virtual Console to a 20-year-old game, they'll be yeah. able to make yeah. Bank work with the yeah. Switch, hopefully. like I would hope so, yeah, yeah. It's just, like, it's crazy, like, just how much... Uh, because that was, like, such a big seller for the 3DS and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it were like, the DS and the Game Boy, even. I mean, the first one came out, like, when it was on its way out. Yeah. Know? The weird <laughs> thing about the 3DS is, like, you can play every Pokemon game on it now. The virtual console games are there, so that's yeah. Kanto and Johto. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hoenn, you can play with Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. And then Diamond mm-hmm. Pearl, Unova, like, those games still work. Mm-hmm. So it's it's weird because we're leaving all that behind now. So I would, I would hope and really want Pokemon Bank to work because at least... Mm-hmm. Do you guys do rebuild you guys, it? Do you guys think that you you don't think it'll come out this year though the the new one? Uh, I thought in like an investors call they said they were aiming for this year, which okay. was like not public, but obviously mm-hmm. stockholders are free to talk about whatever they want. But I thought the aim was this year. Oh, okay, yeah, I was just curious because uh, I mean I you guys follow it a lot more a lot better than than we do. Yeah. So I was just wondering what the. Uh, you know, what, what you guys would say. Yeah, the only that. official thing was at E3 when they said, it's coming, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with no date or anything. So I would I some people are guessing E3, but Pokemon has always done their own thing. Like, yeah. It was weird that they were at E3 last year because they've never been at E3 before. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, like if, if you're looking for a system seller for Switch, Pokemon is that. Yeah. Um, but I would assume that we would get a Pokemon Direct either before or after E3. Mm. It was. It's just weird to me that they would use E3's stage when they don't need it. Sure. Like when they announce a new Pokemon game, the world knows they don't need. Oh yeah, yeah. No, they you'll find out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't need E3's uh, presence to mm. promote that. Other than to show up the other companies that are there, maybe. Yeah, that's true. But also, like, I feel like Pokemon news can overshadow Nintendo news pretty easily. So, mm-hmm. like, oh sure. Yeah. Well, I mean. Like yeah, because they did it part as part of that direct last year, where the guy was like in the 
office and he's like yeah, working it, on it, I swear you know yeah it, like it no seemed very out thing. of place it was yeah. like why are you interviewing this dude in the office I think it was very much just saying like oh no you know it's coming settle yeah. down because everybody like kind of was a little upset about Ultra Sun Ultra Moon right right reason, right you know but uh, it'll be weird to have a year without Pokemon though because it's been like kind of an annualized uh, it has been yeah um, and I honestly think it's probably for the best that they take a year off yeah. just because mm-hmm. it does seem like people are burned out but I don't, I, if it comes this year awesome yeah. if it doesn't that's cool too. I'm like I said, I'm in no rush. Yeah, I feel it could be a little rush if it came out this year, but who knows? They might want to just kill that Christmas again. You know, I mean, they had such an amazing year last year. Nintendo did for the yeah. Switch and all that. That I mean, what do you do aside from releasing Zelda and Mario? You got to right. bring out the other big guns. Animal too, Crossing. To make, uh, oh, yeah, heck yeah. I'm hoping. I mean, Maybe supposedly a good one there this was time. Yeah, there's supposedly <laughs> some uh, website thing about that too. Do you watch all the? I'm sure you watch all the the cartoons and the mm-hmm. movies and all yeah. that stuff. Um, yeah, I saw I Choose You in theaters, which is the 20th Pokemon movie. Oh, okay. Gosh. I saw Mewtwo Strikes Back in theaters. So okay. I saw the very, the very, <laughs> the very first, first one. one. In, uh, was that, 99? Yeah, I think out? so, yeah. 99, 2000. No, yeah. 99, because Pokemon the movie 2000. Yeah, oh, obviously yeah, yeah. in 2000. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I loved I Choose You, which was like the reboot of the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Sun and Moon anime is going on right now they just started the season two of the sun and moon anime which is i think is just called ultra sun and moon oh, okay um and it's been great uh yeah. they went with a new art direction it's really good mm-hmm. uh they still have the same voice actor for ash which they've had since uh i think diamond and pearl because they switched from veronica taylor to a oh, different okay. voice actor yeah. and i think she does a great job um but yeah i i like th- the original pokemon anime is very scooby-doo it's always like this is the pokemon of the week yeah. Yeah. this <laughs> is the team rocket issue we solve the issue we move yeah. on so yeah. you can kind of pick and choose but mm-hmm. The Sun and Moon anime does have a little more development. Team oh, Rocket's okay. not in every single episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's, been, it's been great to go through that. I'm a little behind. I haven't started Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, but I've only heard good things about that, that okay. series. Have you seen a, I heard there was a new movie where Pikachu talks now. That was I Choose You. Yeah. 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 What, I mean, that was a whole thing. If like, you want me to spoil it, <laughs> technically it's a dream sequence. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So Ash is, Ash is, like, dying, and so he envisions... So I, it kind of a cop out, but yeah, Pikachu. On his does. way to the underworld, he <laughs> yeah, sees talking. Pikachu talking. It wouldn't be a Pokemon movie if Ash didn't die. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They gotta cry and bring him back to life. Well, correct. Yeah. <laughs> is is there any sort of um, advice that you would have for anybody who's like not into Pokemon and like wants to get into it? Like, what game to start with, or like? Um, what, uh, I think Pokemon Go is a good place to start. It's free. Oh, sure. yeah. It's on your phone. Everyone has a phone. I would assume. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then if you're gonna start with a game, I would say Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon are great. I would skip Sun and Moon completely. Oh, okay. Just because they added 100 more Pokemon to Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. Uh, they made the first tutorial island. I'm doing air quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made the first tutorial island a little bit quicker. Okay. So instead of taking maybe like three or four hours to get through, it only takes one or two. Oh, okay. Um, and the post-game stuff, if, you're, if you did play the original Pokemon games and maybe stepped away for 15 years, uh, if you get to the end, uh, Team Rocket comes back. Uh, from the original games with oh, Giovanni okay. yeah, and yeah. everything. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it, but... Well, I think I said... I mean, I feel like they put that in there for like some of the previews yes, and all they that. Yes, like, like, yeah. they did mention it, but uh, yeah. it's a, it's about a two-hour end game thing with Team okay. Rocket and stuff, yeah. and it's really well done. I went in with the lowest expectations, because most of the Pokemon end game stuff, it's like, ah, oh, it's there for fans, and it's mm-hmm. it's fine, but it's nothing super great. But this is really good. Oh, okay. Um, so I would... I would if, you're, if you're getting back in, I would start with Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. Cool. Is there any uh, sort of events or anything that's coming up with your podcast that you want to plug on here? Uh, I just finished PAX. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so other than that, probably PAX West, but okay. I think the summer is pretty clear. I would assume they're going to announce another Pokemon Go Fest, probably, even though the first oh, yeah, one was yeah. a disaster. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I heard about that. But they said they wanted to do another one and learn from their mistakes. And, I mean, I think even though that first one was a da- disaster, they refunded everyone's money. They uh, gave everyone $100 in-game credit. Wow. Um, yeah. They did try they really did. hard to make up. Did what they could to make everybody not yeah. pissed at them anymore, right? Right. So I, th- I think, you know, to get that sour taste, I think they have to try it again. And mm-hmm. so when whenever they announce that this summer, I'll be going to that. Okay, cool. Um, thanks for talking to us. Uh, where can we find you at? Do you have a Twitter? And I, well, I know it's a Pokemon podcast, but yeah. is that how you would look up, look it up on iTunes? Or whatever? Yeah. Uh, so Twitter, uh, we have at Pokemon Podcast. Okay. Uh, website, we have PokemonPodcast.com. Cool. So wow. Very, you, got, you got those yeah. good domains. Nice. Yeah. No one was, That's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. No one was sitting on them eight years ago. So uh, Otherwise, yeah, if you just go to iTunes and you type in the word Pokemon, you're going to get a bunch of shows, but ours should be near the top okay, cool. of the list. But the show is called It's Super Effective if you want to search for it directly. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So definitely check that out, and uh, I'll check that out as, sir, uh, as well. Uh, thanks for talking yeah, to us. Yeah, thanks, thank man. you. Thanks a lot. All right, cool. Your name? Nathan Tolbert. And uh, we're in the... Um, you've, you've made some homebrew games? Yeah. Correct? Yeah, I've been, got some Nintendo games I've developed. I've got them all in one cartridge here to demo. But oh, okay. What, what all have you made? So one of them is called Spacey McRacy. It's a four-player party game. you got spaceships where you're racing against each other, trying to kill each other. One I, of those where you play it with a big group and everybody's yeah. laughing and punching each other. I mean, it, that's a, already great in the name in itself, uh, Spacey McRacy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I asked my friends, I was like, what do we name this thing? And Spacey McRacy was their clear answer. And it stuck then? Exactly. <laughs> they went with it? Yeah. Cool. Um, so, yeah, and that's an NES cart, right? Yes, this, an NES cart. And okay. on the same cart, I've got one called Robo Ninja Climb, where you're a robot ninja climbing through a pit, kind of dodging spikes, and it's kind of a quick action reflex game. Oh, okay. And that's a single player then? Yeah. Okay. Uh, are these? Do these normally come on the same cartridge, or are they just so this for here? So I actually originally released them as part of, we have a competition every year, a Nest Dev competition, where people submit games. Um, and then we kind of rate them in the community and say, who is the best? So I made these for the past two years. So this okay. is the first time I've put them on a cartridge. Oh, all right. So they so just you, put them together, and so you competed in the contest with them. Yeah. They were your uh, they were my entries for missions. Yeah, yeah, previous year and this year. Okay, and what, what was it? NES? Uh, what was it called? NES? Uh, NES Dev Competition. NES Nest Dev Dev is, is yeah. that NES? Like yeah, Dev like that. Okay, yeah, NES cool. Dev. Yeah, cool. Have you been? Uh, how many years have you been doing that? Just the two years. I've started doing homebrews for other systems. I'd done a game for a Game Boy Advance, a game oh, wow. for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, cool. and then I said, okay, now it's time to try to do something for Nintendo. So. Oh. What was your game for Game Boy Advance? It was called Inguna. It was a Zelda-type game. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, were you here last year? At I the was not. Gaming nope. okay. This is my first time. Okay. Yeah, because uh, I've talked to some of the people, and I wasn't sure if I'd talked to you before or not. Um, did you uh, get a Kickstarter for that game? Or how, I, how I didn't. You, uh, um, the Game Boy Advance one, I did. That was back in 2006. And so I just, uh, back then you could get flash cartridges, so I did them all myself. Oh, okay. Um, oh, wow. Do you um, self-release that way. 
How do you have like a how how does it go? How do you go about making something like that? Do you have like a development kit for a Game Boy Advance, or do you just do it? So I mean, with all these things, they have compilers for them available, mm-hmm. and so basically, it's you know, you know download the compiler, figure out how the system works, build some tooling to convert you know standard modern graphics image formats into the format that the system expects. Which usually there's people out there that have made packages that do that, okay. and so then just building it up from you know on the Game Boy Advance it was C. On the Atari and the Nintendo, it's mostly assembly language, but and then you like are you able to get blank cartridges then to like put the uh, to put the little chip on there? Yeah, it's or been what, different like? for the different systems. On I mean, Game Boy Advance, I was doing it myself for a while with flashable cartridges. Mm-hmm. Atari, there's a guy Al from Atari Age that um, he does a lot of the homebrews, and so you send him your ROM and he builds cartridges oh, okay. out of it and sells them for you. Nice. Um, so I'm just getting started with Age. NES homebrew. Yeah, that sounds fair. Yeah, he does pretty much for Atari homebrew. That is the place to go. Is Atari oh, wow. Age. Nice. Um, do, are, do you sell like any of these that you make? Like, can you order them online? Or? So the uh, Atari game you can. The Game Boy Advance one. We're right in between. Um, we sold out of all the ones we had, and I'm getting ready to try to make some more soon. Um, hopefully in July. Oh, okay. So um, the NES ones I have are really only available right here right now. Okay, uh, but you can't buy them from on the show floor, right? No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, will they be uh, available to purchase in the future? I'm hoping to. Yeah, I'm gonna for the Nest ones. I'll put them on my website. I think. And okay, cool. People can try to buy them, but it's fairly limited run right now. I'm working right now on a bigger project, kind of a big Metroid type. Oh, okay. Giant World thing, but that's gonna be another year or two. So Is when that I do also that, I'll probably, yeah, I'll do a big Kickstarter for that probably okay. if I ever get it finished. You, can you talk about that one at all? Yeah, the one that's in so the one? that was for years. I've wanted to do kind of a mashup of Blaster Master and Metroid, kind of combine them together. Oh, okay. I've had this dream forever, so I just finally sat down and said, "Okay, it's time to do it." I got hooked up with a graphics artist, a girl named Franken Graphics from out of Sweden, so she's oh. helping with the art. Um, so I've been working on it for about a year. It's kind of probably a three-year project. So right now, all I've got is kind of the world you can run around in you can jump you can move around and look at the screens but there's no enemies the the bulk of it's not there yet is it is it like a two-part type thing like blaster master where there's like a vehicular stuff and then uh side scrolling so it's not going to have the, it's not going to have the top down like blaster master but it mm. will have you get out of your vehicle and you're you know a little vulnerable person and you have to kind of do some of the parts out of your vehicle okay. feeling okay. vulnerable and then get back in and go mm-hmm. blow up stuff but it's not like the separate it's not going to be like the different uh, viewpoint exactly all that, yeah like that. okay yeah that, developing two engines for the top down and the side <laughs> scrolling that's too much work yeah well i mean it's i don't know it, it could be over will there be uh, like power-ups and stuff or is it going to be yeah it's going to be kind of like you know with metroid games or blaster okay, master cool. where you know you you finish an area and you get some new power-up that lets you uh, that lets you leave the area right leave the area and go somewhere new so cool. And kind of an auto-mapping type thing. You push start, and you know, it'll show you where you've been, so you can kind of... Maps are important. Oh, yeah, yeah. maps are, yes. <laughs> you know, the old games didn't have those, but no. you play them now, and you're like, where am I supposed to go? Where's so, the dang map? Yeah, so now I wanted to really focus on making sure there's that auto-mapping, so when you get lost, you can at least say, well, I haven't been over there. Yeah, those, that always helps, for especially like a Metroid 1 and 2, like with the no maps, it's always yeah, it's just difficult. Brutal. To, you kind of have to... I mean, I think I've played the first Metroid enough that I sort of know where to go. I, I memorized it yeah. after looking at Nintendo Power long enough, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what? Is that? Did you play a lot of Metroid when you were younger? Is that what inspired you to? Uh, I, to do this? you know, I liked Metroid, but it wasn't until Super Metroid that I really kind of got obsessed with it. Like that oh, one yeah. was just absolutely amazing. I mean, I think that was almost near perfect execution of that style of game. That's still yeah. an amazing game. I right. stood the test of time. I so very, I'm trying very to well. pull in some of the ideas from that, some of the game design. I don't know if I'll nail it or not because it's hard to you know do anything nearly that good. But I love to play it though. I mean, it's not, it's, it sounds. Well, I got cool. it over there. Yeah. That you can at least play what I've got so far, but it's missing oh, a lot. Oh, nice. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's on that cartridge. Yeah, it's on the cartridge. So oh, cool. Cool. We'll Is it out. like um, the first couple power ups or like about, no, about right how far are you going to get into? Right it? now, it's just you can walk around a world and 
kind of see what scrolling around looks like. But oh, okay. there's, there's no enemies. Oh, yeah, no there's no enemies. So and you have to actually anyway. do the level design and stuff still. Yeah, I've got like five rooms in there just so you can kind of see okay. how it works. It's really kind of a tech demo of mm-hmm. I've got the scrolling working, I've got sprite animation working, and you know, I've got some destroyable blocks working. That's about... That's about all we've got after a year's worth of work. So <laughs> wow, it it takes a long time. I mean, is it? And it's pretty much just you programming it, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing all the programming, and then she's doing the art. And oh, okay. Probably the music. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I she does music also. That. Yeah. Oh well, that's that's nice for sure. Yeah. It's multi-talent. And you said you're going to do a Kickstarter for that. I'm well. hoping yeah. to. I mean, yeah. it's a few years out, so I don't want to make any promises, but mm-hmm. that's my tentative plan. But we'll see. Were, or do, do, were, did you always want to make uh, games, or is this just something that oh, yeah, happened I've, as a passion project? You know, I, when I was a kid playing Atari and Nintendo, it was like, I would love to do this. My parents got me a computer, mm-hmm. and I you yeah. know, devour the books about basic programming and make cheesy little you know, yeah. dumb games that didn't really work very well. Oh, okay, so you've been doing it for a while. So I've been doing it ever since I was a kid. Yeah. You know, I went into computer science, and I write software for a university now, not video oh. game-related stuff. But oh, sure, yeah, but I mean on the side. You can yeah, so I've always wanted stuff. to do games. So now I feel like I finally had the level of experience to go back and make these games I always dreamed of making for the mm-hmm. systems I had when I was young. Was there was there a particular reason that you wanted to go back to like uh, NES or Atari or whatever? Or was it just uh, simplicity? Or? It's a few things. Part of it's nostalgia because like I always wanted to make a Nintendo game. Now I can make a Nintendo game. Um, part of it is you know I'm writing software at work. Going back to this incredibly limited platform is super fun. Like on the Atari, you have 128 bytes of memory to work with, and so having to like think at that level is just so different from regular programming that it's super fun. And the other part is the community. Like, if you, I made an Android game a few years ago, and it was it was fun to make, but there's no sense of you know people played it. It got a few thousand downloads, and I didn't talk to anybody hardly. Oh, like, yeah, it just yeah. didn't really get any feedback. Yeah, you throw it out, and you know you get a few ratings or something on the Google Play Store. But here, there's a community where you make a game, people are interested in it, they want to talk to you about it. Shows like this, people are like, "Oh, this is really neat." And mm-hmm. so there's just because of the community, it's more fun because you get. More people to talk to about it. More oh, yeah. people that are interested in playing it. Yeah, especially this being like a retro, like a retro expo. Like a lot of people are looking for you know, older games that they had whenever, but they love seeing the new ones. Exactly. And the old so to me, that's too, so. the combination of all three of those really mm-hmm. makes it more fun to do than modern games. Do you have a lot of people like ask you to ask you to purchase the game or like just? A I haven't had a lot of info. A few, yeah. but not yeah. a lot yet. Okay. So, but I wasn't really advertising it. As I didn't come in thinking I'm going to sell a ton of them. It was just I'd like to show it off and let people play it. And oh, okay. So that's how. Uh, how, the, how you got through the MGC, you were just like, I got some stuff I want to show. Yeah, they, cause the Nintendo Age room here, they said you're going to have a room here dedicated for people from Nintendo Age just showing off homebrew, showing off the stuff that mm-hmm. you know we've got. And so... Cool. Yeah, all right. most of this stuff around yeah. here is all you know new games. So Yeah, no, I, I always love looking at this, so I wanted to make sure and try to get some interviews with people yeah. here. Um, so, uh, so, and it's... Uh, was it, what was the race game again? Uh, Spacey McRacy. Spacey McRacy. Okay, yeah. cool. And we can find you at, do you have a It's uh, bitethechili.com. Or on Twitter, I'm just Nathan Talbert. N-A-T-H-A-N-T-O-L-B-E-R-T. Okay. All right. Cool, Nathan yeah. Talbert. And you have cards, right? So I can make yeah. sure you get them. Yep. Okay. All right, cool. Thanks for talking to yeah, us. Hey, thank you, so guys. Nathan. Appreciate you guys talking to me. Yeah, definitely. All right. Cool.
fair of I Play Games, a friend of the show. Yeah. Um, and he's got a nice little setup in here for uh, Midwest Gaming. Hey, How what's up, guys? Pretty good. Yep, yep, yep. Got a, a nice little variety of setups of games. So, yeah. Now, so this is all your equipment and all your consoles? Yeah. Yep. Everything wow. except for these uh, uh, sets behind you running okay. Modern Warfare 2. I want to say that uh, Midwest Gaming Classic brings that one themselves. It's been a, a little bit of a favor for them. So, yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, so, do you have um, like what do you have uh, set up for the day? Are you doing Man, like tournaments so, and stuff? So we did uh, Smash Brothers four uh, at about noon or so, and we knew people were going to be here for that already. Mm-hmm. And then surprisingly enough, man, I knew the whole world is still playing Dragon Ball Z. So uh, Dragon yeah. Ball Z <laughs> Fight, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, we had a tournament for that earlier too. Mm-hmm. Cool. So yeah, both of those went really good, man. Mm-hmm. Things are like really chill here. People are you know kind of easy going, and then they kind of come enjoy the tournament, and then they explore some more at the convention. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's been a good turnout in here. Uh, right? Oh, it's been crazy there. all yeah. day. It <laughs> seems um, like it. I, I think crazier. the weather kind of slowed people down oh, yeah, the at first. Sucks. So, like, uh, we got started at about 10 a.m., you know, and you were kind of looking around. But then it was, like, ice snowing. And then when that kind of held up, like, towards noon or so, then it was just a wave of everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was wondering how uh, how the how the convention was going to be because it's like in a different spot now. Yeah, like yeah. I thought it'd be super packed, but it's actually not that bad. Like it's a, uh, it's kind of more spread out, like a little more. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's a little no. more space to move around, actually. No, you know what I think is like really kind of cool about this is that like for people that are coming up from Chicago, I know the easiest way is like Megabus or Greyhound. Tickets are like ten bucks. Mm. The travel is like an hour forty five minutes, man. So like. I'm finding like a ton of my friends from home coming up because this is really accessible. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, we're uh, we're staying at the, one of the hotels, but yeah, I guess you could like just bus and yep. yeah. I mean, everything's kind of walking distance, like with yep. Milwaukee and all that. I still got some people that are actually coming through mm. later on this evening, so I'm pretty excited. Did you uh, did you do anything yesterday for like the special Friday? So we opened up VIG with them Friday with the VIG kind of thing, the very important gamer ticket that very they had, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, actually we had uh, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe out for people to play. Cool. Um, we wanted to organize a tournament, but it seemed like people were a little more interested in trying to just scope everything out and not necessarily being a tournament. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Are you, are you planning on doing a Mario Kart tournament in the future? Yeah. So I always want to do more Mario yeah. Kart. Um, as you guys know, I did it as a part of the uh, Winter Olympics for Emporium, mm-hmm. and that was hugely successful. Um, and I'm thinking about doing it again. You know, I'm trying to gauge some of the interest for it. So um, Mario Kart is one of my favorite things that I bring oh, to yeah, every yeah. room to play. So it's really easy for me to say, yes, we're going to have Mario Kart because <laughs> I'm playing it. And now with it being on the Switch... Um, it's easy to have it wherever. Yeah. So yeah, are you are you the only one here that has a Mario Kart going? Because I remember like last year they were they had like a couple Smash Brothers things set up and yeah. But are you like the primary uh, Mario Kart or Smash Brothers or whatever? Are there so other stuff? We're too? doing it in tandem with them having their qualifiers for a uh, kind of like a end of tournament tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're doing it in tandem with them. So yeah, okay, yep. So it's so your tournament separate from that tournament or it's the same? yeah so. Oh. They're going to okay. have tomorrow, like, this finals and whatnot mm. um, as the convention kind of closes. And I think it's going to be a part of, like, their ending ceremonies and whatnot. So oh, okay. um, they've got a lot of really cool ideas here. I've really enjoyed seeing more of the gaming museum. You know, I've always kind of got to see bits and pieces. But, you know, coming and seeing it personally and whole is also really cool. So, have you, Were you able to, like... Uh put anything in the gaming museum like any of the older systems you know what that you this have? year i this year i was gonna say i don't think i put anything in the museum this year so mm. no 
But I mean, uh, between some of the rail shooters up there that I found, I was I was pretty surprised, presently surprised to see a ton of the PS2 rail shooters mm-hmm. um, with the gun with the actual orange gun cons. You know, so I'm always really excited at those. You see tons of NES zappers. Um, every so often, you see the uh, Super Nintendo's uh, oh, zapper, the Super but the Super Scope, the Super Scope really fails in the comparison mm-hmm. to me as far as like home. Uh, shooters to everything on PlayStation 2. I mean, those games are really, the time crises are really well done yeah, yeah. for home and whatnot. So, yeah. We're really like, excited to see those upstairs in the museum. Lethal Enforcers. Uh, yep. Hard, what was it, that one, like Hard Target or whatever? There's another, uh, I forget what it's called. There's the, it was a Wii one that they re-released. It's oh, not, it's okay. not very good. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, something like that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's always interesting. Like, I remember last year, we haven't been to the museum yet, but there was like a big line of... Uh, of shooters of like a yeah, gun, gun yeah. games like they right built next to each like other. a little bo- like a little U shaped box this mm-hmm. time, man. So you guys get up there and check that one out. It's actually pretty cool, and it's kind of open, you know, a nice little open space. Have you? I'm sure you've thought about like because I know you have a lot of like tube TVs and stuff like that. Yeah, have you thought about like a, you know putting stuff in the museum, or you just haven't asked anybody yet? Or? You know, I haven't really gotten to them. That you know what was really cool was um, getting to meet Dan this year, one of the organizers, man. And I really have to tip my hat off to him. I think that. He's found himself in a space where he's always looking to try to do something new and unique. And I think this year, as they kind of brought us on, they wanted this space to be a variety space for a lot of people to kind of play mm-hmm. some current things, kind of have some fun, joke around with me in tournaments like I normally yeah. kind of do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I think that they are definitely interested in a lot of different ideas. Um, and I don't think we got to talk about that this year, but... Um, no, I mean, like, I, I have a few things that I think would be great for it because uh, I'm building something new that I haven't talked about a mm. lot yet with people. But I think you guys are really going to like it. So it'll be cool for the museum. Okay. You probably don't want to give any uh, details on that yet. It's right? like <laughs> a six-foot. I'm just going to say it's a like a six-foot controller. Oh, oh wow. really? I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to leave it at that. Oh, that's And cool. then I'll let you guys see the rest when I'm done with it. Like a, like a, so you do like a co-op thing where like one person does so the one person does stick one thing. and one of the buttons or whatever? May- yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I don't, you know. Oh, that's nice. in the cards. I, uh, I remember one year I saw a giant uh, Game Boy that somebody made. Like with yeah. the giant uh, with the, yeah. and, and having it fit in yeah. almost I don't know if like it's, the store model. I didn't yeah. see that one upstairs. Yeah, I don't know if they have it here or not, but it, I think it was the first year they had it where it's like a giant yep. one and it still has a little tiny game in the back. Yep. It's just like big. <laughs> you hit the buttons and all that. So uh, so everything's mostly uh, mostly newer that you have that you have here, right? So yeah, you know, I think that uh, like the concept here was to try to bring in some families and of course get kids interested in some of the type mm-hmm. of gaming that I had. So yeah, no, I mean like obviously Smash Brothers is always a hit. Um, I don't leave home without Mario Kart and then uh and Justice has been incredibly popular as of late. Um oh, yeah. a lot of a lot of people see the Ninja Turtles on there and have been kinda jumping on. Yeah. Um, and then Dragon Ball is a no brainer too. So yeah. Yeah, I saw I saw some people playing that. Uh yeah, especially I mean yeah, I'm sure you got all the updates and the yeah, Ninja Turtle guys and all yep. the extra characters and all that. So it's always good to just have stuff out to play, like depending on where Oh yeah, you know. yeah. No, and you know what else is really kinda cool? Like for some of the people at home, if they can imagine, this convention is happening on two different floors. Mm-hmm. So the top floor, which is which is uh, the exhibitor showroom floor kind of thing, downstairs we've kind of got like some more focus kind of stuff. And um, I think it's kind of cool because this space is a little bit more chill. People got you know have some place to sit down and kind of hang out. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's nice to have a have an area to chill, like especially yeah. when you're walking around and all that. 
Plus, we're next door to some really cool stuff too, man. Yeah, have you been over there to the yes? So I've been I've been trying to uh, figure out how to play the beanbags game, the tailgating beanbags game. Oh yeah, with the uh, yeah yeah, yeah. with the power pad. Yeah, Yeah, no, I mean like I've got a couple power pads, not doing anything at home. (laughs) So I'm trying to find something that I can do them with. So yeah, looks like people are really enjoying that game. Yeah, somebody was like yelling up a storm over there, like doing that. They're trying to distract (laughs) the other players. Uh Yeah, yeah. Have you had much time to walk around and look at these Zibics? So I've got, a, I've got to see a few things, man. So uh, the one thing I did go to get to go see was Pinball FX upstairs. Okay. They've got those uh, virtual pinball machines, yeah. which are actually pretty kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I was kind of skeptical on, like, the feedback for the buttons yeah. and stuff, but um, that was pretty cool, something I got to see. Also upstairs uh, is my good friends from Mutant Football League. Mm-hmm. Um, and I adore the heck out of that game as a big fan of uh, NFL Blitz and other arcade oh, yeah, yeah. sports That's games. A, yeah, Genesis That's game, a right? lot yeah, yeah, of fun. Yeah, 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 it was a Genesis game, and they've uh, actually rebooted it. Oh, um, okay. So, yeah, they rebooted it. It's out on PlayStation 4. It's out on Xbox One, of nice. course. So uh, it's perfect for that. So mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Is there a, Do you have any, like, Holy Grail game that you're looking for, like, for the in the vendor area? Like, is there, like, a, is there, like an older... You know, like, there's always, like, one thing that you're looking for that if it's not, like... A hundred dollars or like a yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like you know what's funny is I am a big fan of peripherals, mm-hmm, so yeah. like oh, okay, I'm yeah, always yeah. in a hunt for a peripheral, something that I don't have already, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes that's a little hard for me to come across. Because then the other thing is like I don't collect for the sake of collecting; I collect things that I actually want. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I passed by a few booths upstairs, and I saw a an, an, uh, Nintendo's Rob. And I was kind of thinking oh, about wow, kind of yeah. making, yeah, yeah, I was thinking about making a purchase on that um, because uh, right now I have almost every NES accessory. Mm. Um, and so uh, I am short Rob and one other thing that's like complete in the mm. box and everything. So do you have, so do you have like the four, uh, the four player? I've got, the, like I've got the satellite. I've got like a satellite. I've got a satellite that's still in the box. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, like my Christmas gift for like 1993 or something like that. My parents bought me the uh, NES sports pack. Oh, okay. Um, so as the NES was being retired, they were getting rid of sports packs. Yeah. So I had an NES Saturn, mm-hmm. and uh, that connects by uh, infrared technology. So, yeah, I've got that. I've got a power glove. I've got dog bone controllers. i got a ton of NES oh, stuff. Oh, so you probably have, like, the top so Those dog bone controllers right? are great. Are yeah. very, and they are very hard to come by. Oh, yeah. I, know. Yep. I always wanted one of those top loader ones. Well, that, now, that that's one bones. thing that yeah. I, do not ha- I do not have a top loader, mm-hmm. which uh, – which would be really nice, but those are also going for a lot of money now yep. too. So yeah, yeah, I remember those like coming out on the when I saw my Toys R Us. And yeah. I was like, I don't know, I didn't really think much of it, but I kind of wish I would have got one like way back <laughs> when, you know, when I was a kid. But I was a kid, you know, I didn't have that right. much money. I would love to see, uh, I love to see you do some stuff, uh, some multiplayer stuff with that, like with the four player adapter NES stuff, like set that up in the future. You know That'd that, be really cool because there's a couple of games that do a really good job of taking like Super Dodgeball, yeah, like Super Dodgeball like, yeah, like, does, yep. A lot of Technos Japan games mm-hmm. actually have some type of functionality yeah. for it. So, yeah, I would love to see that, like, a, like next year or something. Like to see, like, a, you know, some retro stuff as well. I you have know? to think about that, but you got to point me in the direction of uh, I think it's <laughs> six C or D batteries. Oh. That thing runs on C, oh, wow. C or D oh, batteries. Gosh. And here's what's funny: you can't go to some stores now and find C or D batteries consistently. I like, haven't, I haven't bought have, one in years. You wouldn't have to order those anymore. No one uses them for anything. Mm-hmm. Like you've got so many rechargeable batteries, but uh, yeah, that thing gets incredibly heavy with like I think it's C batteries. Uh, you have to have six C batteries Jeez. inside of it, and um, 
you can only order them from Amazon. I noticed the other day. I was like, so I need to get on Amazon, and you have to order them in bulk. You can't order like ten at a time. Can you get rechargeable C batteries? That might be close, but that that might even be more hard to yeah. find. You yeah. know what I mean? I wonder, like, if they're gonna, they'll probably eventually stop making them altogether, and then the batteries are gonna lose their charge over time. Someday we might not be able to use stuff and that they uses better C batteries. They better use some things, yeah. yep, just because of C batteries. I yep. mean, you'd, you'd That's be su- crazy to think about. You'd be surprised. Like they tried to, they tried to retire like the uh, reel-to-reel recording, quarter-inch tape stuff, and some yeah, rich, some rich guy like started it again. He's like, no, nah. we still need that. Nope. So they weren't able to, you know. Same <laughs> with like the a, the uh, tubes for like amps and stuff, like old school tubes. Oh, of course. They tried yeah. to stop making that, and then someone else started making them. I think, or like film and stuff like that. You know, it's the mm-hmm. same sort of. There'll always be somebody who wants it. Is that, true. Have there been any panels that you've been interested in that you're, you're checking out today? Or What's that? Any? Have you been going to see any of the panels or any? Of the so guys I've only been able to peek in on the galloping ghost panels that are like next door. And here's yeah. what's funny: like, can you imagine seeing like uh, Jax from Mortal Kombat yeah. walking back and forth? <laughs> so whenever I see him walking back and forth, I know. Oh, okay, cool. Let me try to peek my head in mm-hmm. on that. But uh, yeah, I might try to, to tomorrow to sit down to some more panels. So. Yeah, I saw them in there. It was like Johnny Cage and Luke yeah, Kang and yeah. Jax and all that. Yeah. Did you see like their new game that they're making over there? Like, uh, no, they're making a new game. No, uh, the Galloping Ghost guys, I guess, are making like a Mortal Kombat inspired game with those actors. Really? Yeah. Where they actually, it, it looks pretty wild because it's like a, it's like an HD version, so everything kind of looks like a weird like. 90s PC, but it's still like, like mocap. You know, yeah, yeah, but it's not mocap. It's like totally. Well, I mean, it's, it's like actors. They have actors fighting each other and all okay. that. You know? It's interesting. If you have, if you have time, you I have out. to take. Yeah. I have to take a look at that. It's, I'll have to ask Doc. It's I, interesting. I, I passed by yeah. Doc and everything mm-hmm. from Galloping Ghost. I should just give him a, qu- a call real quick. So we we were at C two E two last weekend, and we saw you did saw you there. Like, uh, how did that go? I mean, just to. I had a blast, that, man. Yeah. Honestly, um, everything was clockwork. Don't get me wrong; yeah. it was like clockwork because you know we were holding hosting something like four tournaments a day, um, and you have a ton of people that are just interested in it in general. Um, then uh, we were using the same space to host tournaments and casual gameplay, so of course it was more a matter of like people who want to play casually are like, "Hey, can we sit down and play?" And it was like, "Yeah, we're running a tournament." But I have to say, overall, I was really pleased with C two E two. I like the space that we were in this year. Um, I really enjoyed my experience, as I normally do with uh, with the streaming services and whatnot. So we uh, hosted DBZF Live and stuff. So that was really cool, man. I think we uh, had a really good turnout and showing at C2E2 this year. Yeah, I saw, like, uh, we stopped through and, and saw you really quick. Uh, yeah. But I saw, I saw a picture of you, and was that the guy from uh, NBA Jam, the, the, so, yes, the announcer? Yeah, What's Tim Kinsroll, yeah. man. That was, like... <laughs> That was like my celebrity moment, That's you know, because I don't get to see stuff around the conventions mm-hmm. a lot of times. A lot of times I'm just kind of like, here's my bubble video game and everything mm-hmm. else is going on around me. Um, and honestly, um, Tim coming was perfect because we were also hosting a mutant football league setup, And uh, he, of course, you know, gave his voice, his gifts to that game. Nice. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned in the post. I've been imitating this guy when I host video game tournaments and events, you know, since second grade. You know, since second grade, you know, every time you take a shot, you start talking about he's on fire. Yeah. He's on you know, fire. He's you might be you might be one of twelve, but the one that you hit, he's yeah. on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. So no, yeah, it was pretty cool, man. Tim Kitzrow was there. Mike mm-hmm. uh, Menham was there. Uh, the creator of Mutant Football League, the rebooted. So. Oh wow, yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, man, how, I, I didn't see that guy. <laughs> oh, man, I mean, and there's so much to catch. You know, there's so yeah, much yeah. to catch there, so. 
Cool. Um, do you have any? Do you have any other? I think I asked. Do you, do you have any tourney, tournaments coming up later today? So or? yeah, actually, uh, tomorrow we're going to be hosting Injustice to Today we're going to try to shut down, man. And I think I might try to go by one of the arcade bars, man. You know, my my drinking tour around uh, around America. Oh, you should I try to make yeah. it. Which one are you come, thinking of? Oh, we're going to the Retronauts one, the nineteen twenty three one. Nineteen what? Or no, not twenty. Nineteen eighty three. So yeah, yeah I'm yeah, going yeah. to nineteen eighty three. Nineteen twenty three would be funny. Nineteen twenty three. I would love yeah. to see the arcade games. Nineteen twenty three. Right. <laughs> well, they just be the old, you know, where you like shoot the little <laughs> metal ducks and stuff, playing yeah. poker, throwing knives. Oh at yeah, the, the ones that shoot the little guns that shoot the metal balls. <laughs> BB guns. Cool. Well, hopefully we'll see you there. Um, Perfect. Is, yeah, now that'll any, be pretty cool. Is there anything else you want to, I mean, do you want to plug anything that's coming up like after this? No, or? so um, actually, man, I want to give a shout out to all of the guys at JamCom that invited us to come. We'll be in JamCom in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee next weekend, man. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. it's going to be crazy, man. I haven't, I haven't been down to Tennessee since, uh, since I graduated from undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun going down there. Murfreesboro, funny fact, Murfreesboro, Tennessee is where I bought my launch day Nintendo Wii. Oh, wow. I was in line in Murfreesboro. I just was visiting, and I happened to buy one there. So, hmm. was it a, was it like around the launch time where you had so to? It, it was, I, it was on launch yeah. day. Oh wow! I uh, was there ago. to visit, and I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna go check Walmart to see if they have any. I got in line. I was number thirty of thirty, wow. and I got my Nintendo Wii. Seventeen hours later. So that was your graduation gift nice. to yourself. That was my gift to myself yeah. for being such a good boy that year. <laughs> Just <laughs> get good grades and everything. It's a great. It's a great gift to give yourself. Yeah. yeah. No. And so forever, it, yeah. Murfreesboro is in my heart as yeah. to where I bought my first Nintendo. Wii. How, how yeah, and the you never would have known you'd be going back there. You know, someday as a yeah. Who knew? As a special guest. Yep. As a right as a guest for uh-huh. something. Are so. you going to bring the Wii that you bought there with you? That's interesting. Because <laughs> guess what? I have repurposed it. And you guys aren't going to guess what I've skinned it as. It's a Patti LaBelle's top ten songs. So everybody always goes, why is Patti LaBelle? I was like, because she's a great singer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, my very first Wii still boots up, still works. I uh, kind of stopped using the disc tray after a while because I know the disc trays on yeah. those things kind of yeah. go. So, yeah, I've, I've kind of protected mine over time, man. You should bring it out just, like, put it in a case just so yeah. people can and see show it. And it like, to hey, everybody. <laughs> this is the one I got here, and it always makes me <laughs> think of it. Just carry it around so. in a messenger bag. Cool. Are you setting up a similar thing like this then? So, there? yeah, I'm yeah. actually going to have a setup there, man, and we're going to be running all of their video game tournaments at JamCon uh, um, next weekend. So, yeah. Nice. Pretty excited. Cool. Any more uh, Chicago stuff after that? Yeah, so um, the Nintendo Labo is coming out, and I'm going to have an announce for that this um, this uh, coming Monday or Tuesday or so. Oh, you're doing um, a Labo thing? So I'm going to do a Labo thing, and Where? I'm probably going to... <laughs> I'm probably going to use my one setup to fold everything for the very first time mm-hmm. and kind of see how that goes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of excited to see where this, you know, the Labo thing kind of falls. Um, sometimes kids love it. Sometimes they don't. Right. Sometimes adults are like, oh, that was cool. I guess it'll be the kids that decide for if one try. to be successful. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, yeah. I'm really, really interested to see what it does because, like, from what I heard, like, you know, the remote-controlled car that you can build? Yeah. It has, like, that IR sensor on the back. Yeah. So it can kind of, like, tell you where it's at, like, on the screen. On the screen, yep. Like, that's amazing. Like, I just want to mess no, around with that. I think it's going to be pretty that's Well, insane. and then yeah. it can, uh, it uses the camera to, like, it sh- you can actually see. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, it shows right. you, like, it's kind of like those remote control cars with the cameras on it, but it's just the IR sensor. But it, it can do, like, heat signatures and stuff. Hmm. So you can kind of see where you're going, like, through the. Oh, that's wild. Through the switch screen, like, using the touch yeah. screen. The thing that's it. been out for, like. Well, well over a year, 14 months now, 15 months almost. Yeah. And we're just now seeing, oh, hey, the controller can do that. I didn't know that. Can do more stuff. 
Yeah. Oh, well, that's kind of how Nintendo always does it. Like, there's always, like, little things. And, like, the 64, like, had all those different notches and stuff on the bottom that you yeah, can plug yeah, into. And, mm-hmm. and that they some never of those really fully used. They kind of yeah. fell through, yeah, some of those things. But, you know. Well, I think, this, I think the Wii U even had, like, an extra notch on it or whatever that never mm-hmm. got added to it. But, you know, there's you never yeah, know. Like, there's yeah. always, like, a, we could put something here or put something whatever, you know. Very true. Yeah. I'm super excited about, about Labo. It's yeah, a, I guess that falls just, your just love of the peripherals. I, they're kind of peripherals, right? Exactly. So that, yeah. that falls right in line. Plus, there's a thing about peripherals when I think about things as a as a consumer and I think about things as a you know as a professional. Um, those types of things get people's attention really quickly. Now, granted, they could be good or bad, but they do a really good job at getting people to say, "Hmm, what is that?" Yeah, I'd be. Mean, would you think about doing like a like an event event thing with Labo, like a Oh like, yeah, like car I, races or something. So the, yeah, no, the, the, I was going to say, know. Yeah. and that's really kind of like how I try to use a lot of these things is to see a where people's interests are, b how much can this grow? Because mm-hmm. guess what? If you can make car races out of them, I'm totally going to like build a track or and do a space, a, uh, yeah, yeah, do yeah, like yeah. A bowling or something would be kind of fun. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm really always I'm always inspired by the possibilities. Yeah, I'm really, really interested to see where that goes. And I'd love to see what you're doing with it, definitely. If uh, <laughs> there's something in Chicago, I'd, I'd love to come by and of course, check it out. Of know? course. Awesome. Uh, well, you know, thanks for thanks for spending time with us. Yeah, and, so. As always. Come I'm, on, guys. I'm not, it's nice. It's always nice to time. see you guys, at, uh, especially at the at the Midwest Gaming. Expo. Yeah, now yeah. we're seeing each other back-to-back weekends, man. Yeah. We didn't even know each other a few months ago. Yeah. Now we see each other all the time. I like it, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Sweet. Okay. Um, cool. All right, it's cool. nice to meet you finally, man. Thanks. Yeah, I was going to say face to come face to face. All right. And that's uh, I play Kevin from I Play Games again. Uh, you have a your, what is it at K Fair? Is that your so Twitter? yeah at K Fair underscore IPG is my Twitter. And then check out our website IPGNation.com for like all of our upcoming conventions and events. Okay, cool. Yep. Sounds good. Here with um, what's your name? Uh, Zach from Retrotainment Games. Oh, okay. And you made a uh, haunted Halloween '86. Yeah, we made right uh, haunted Halloween '86 and uh, haunted Halloween '85. Okay, yeah, I know there were a couple of them. I think I played a little bit of it last last year. But what's the uh, premise of the game again? So uh, the premise of '85 was um, you play as Donnie Johnstown. It's a uh, Halloween morning, 1985. Wakes up a little late for school. Gets there, realizes all the adults are gone, all the kids are turned into zombies, and you just got to punch your way home on Halloween. So 86 is one year later, and you're uh, back with your friend Tammy. You guys are going trick-or-treating, and you get dared to go up to the old farmhouse. And uh, chaos ensues again. The town starts getting haunted. And uh, you got to make your way home again. And this, this game is really, really more about exploring the town, finding what made it so haunted in the first place, and really, you know, kind of what it feels like inheriting a, a town as a kid. Is that a, does it kind of play like a, like a Retro City Rampage, or is it kind of like a brawler-ish, or like what is the This is a little more of a type? brawler. Uh, okay. The first game was, was more of a platforming-style beat-em-up. Okay. It's a little simple, just had a single combo that you went through. This, we wanted to make it feel a little more like a brawler, 
kind of a Street Fighter final fight kind of controls. There's combos that you learn by defeating bosses. And there's a, it's like a non-linear progression. So even though the game is linear, every time you defeat a boss, you get to choose whichever power-up you want. Oh, okay. So it's like, so like if you went through it a couple different times, you would get a different yeah, power-up Yeah, so you, you can get slightly different can, playthroughs. Yeah. yeah, and we, we made all the moves comboable into each other, and some of them act a little more as utility moves. So there's like a dodge move that you can... Uh, it's more of a defensive move, but at the same time, if you don't have the double jump, you can actually combo that into a jump to actually launch yourself across the screen. Oh, okay. And do things in different different ways to do the same stuff. So there's, like, different ways to... Uh, like, if you don't have a certain thing at the right time, you can still get to a secret or yeah, whatever. Sometimes. Like, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it parts. just it depends on, like, how familiar you are with some of the, the moves. Um, certainly not every move. Like, you can even get a little more height with an uppercut while you're in the air. Um, but it's a... Uh, there's there's kind of a, a progression we always lean through. Like whenever I play the game, I always grab the same moves in the same way, and I feel kind of comfortable going oh, through. Oh sure. Yeah. Are, was there a is there a particular like best way to do it that you set up set up in there like while you're designing it or like I'm um, sure there's a moves that you like to do or is there one way that makes it harder? Or easier, I don't know whatever? if it makes it harder. There's there's the way the enemies kind of progress through the game. Um, they get harder as you go through, and and some of the the early early level enemies are a little lower. So sometimes I, I think it's good to get like the, the dash moves and the dodge moves like you know really early on, front. but yeah. it all depends on how you want to play. Okay, yeah, cool. And it's a single player, or is it a multiplayer? It's a tag team style two player. Oh, okay. So in the game, when you're a single player, you can press select at any time to switch between two characters. And if you have a second controller hooked up, if the second player uh, presses select. It switches the characters, and the second controller gets to control that character. Oh, okay. Uh, we got a lot of requests for a two-player when we after we made the first game, um, but because of the NES limitations on, with the amount of sprites on screen, um, our characters are pretty detailed, and we actually have multiple yeah, sprites on top of each other. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to keep the integrity of the action of the game, so we just we kept it as a single player on screen at the time, so we can still have that same level of action. That's cool, though, that you can like just uh, tag team from one person to another. You never really hear of anything like that. I yeah. mean, they kind of did it in Mario with the different levels, but I, I like that. I like that yeah. idea. We liked how, like, in some games you can, like, switch between characters. Even, like, the uh, the old Ninja Turtles game. Yeah. But you still have mm -hmm. to pause the game and go through this way. You can press select at any time, like, yeah. even in the middle of a combo or when you're jumping in the air and switch characters whenever you want. And we wanted the game to feel really modern and easy to jump into. Sure. So yeah. whether you played old NES games or you're, you know... You're more used to newer platforming games. We want it to be really easy, you know. Come in. How is how is designing for the NES like trying to make a modern game on an old system? Um, it's definitely a little bit of a challenge. Uh, we our programmer Damien is he just kind of gets it. Uh, he just uh, sixty five hundred two assembly is like his his favorite coding language yeah. basically. And like uh, we've seen a couple people use other languages and compile them down to uh, assembly, and they just feel a little too a little too loose. And working in the original coding language to build our own engine in, like, really let us be really tight and kind of craft the experience that we mm -hmm. wanted to have. Yeah, it looks really, really good. I mean, I see it. it they're looks they're fantastic. Playing, playing it behind you. And I know, I know I played it a little bit. Is that is that a Famicom version that I'm seeing under there? Yeah, we the, have uh, the uh, small one. Yeah, we have a Famicom version. Well, nice. it's a complete Japanese localization and translation. Oh wow, really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So wow. we had uh, we had some help from some people. That's cool that for us. So yeah, yeah, yeah badass. And the the uh, the gray one is that the first one or is that just a different uh, uh, we version? We just we always like having our our colored uh, like 85 is the zombie green. 86 is the pumpkin orange, oh, okay. but there are still some like collectors out there that like just having the classic gray for everything. Yeah. So we we try to leave that option open, and you know, sometimes when we're at conventions, we'll only bring the colored stuff because people always want that anyways. Yeah, sure. But uh, 
these kind of things like Midwest Gaming Classic and like the Portland Retro Gaming Expo, you get like real collectors out there that oh, just yeah. are just definitely absolutely just want the. Yeah, the some gray. people want to include homebrews in there. I don't even. Well, this oh, in their would be homebrew, yeah, in their like yeah. total collection. Yeah. For sure. So. Yeah, um, I do a lot. I'm sure a lot of people want you to want to buy like a sealed copy that you can sign and all that, right? Or, or do you guys do that? We I mean, do, you probably uh, don't have boxed ones, or do you? Yeah, we have complete in box. We actually did a full color manual, a slipcase, and if you open any of our boxes, it has a little piece of styrofoam at the bottom, just like the original NES oh, that's games. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So it fits in exactly how it's supposed to. We wanted to do the exact, you know, the same process that you would have had opening up a box of an NES game back in the day. Did you guys did you guys get Kickstarter for the first one or how did you guys raise the first uh, one the money we self funded we we wanted to we thought about Kickstarting but it was like you know we're four or five guys that have never done anything so we couldn't really expect anyone to pay us for that yeah. up front sure. um, so we really worked hard it took about thirteen months from start to finish on the first game about half of that was just learning the hardware and and then about like six or seven months of really hard coding and just really building the game um, and then so for the second one. We were able to use that first game as our proof of concept and say, like, look, we we all have jobs. We all just, yeah. you know, yeah. we, we reached deadlines. We made sure this game came out and uh, help us, you know, kind of do the same thing. So Kickstarter is really good for getting money, but it's also got kind of a reputation for yeah, people for, getting burned every once yeah, in a while. So, get a, yeah, so we worked, uh, we spent about seven months on the second game just because we wanted to make sure we got this game out. Uh, we missed our deadline by, I think, about two weeks um, still a little more than we thought it was going to be because we really uh, rebuilt a lot of the pieces of our engine, really pushed it you know, as, as far as we could go. Um, but we were really happy with how that went. And now we, we're finishing up our... Uh, we're working on our third game right now that we also kick-started. And, uh, yeah, I was going to ask if there's an 87 in the works. We're taking a break from the Haunted series right now. Oh, okay. So right now we're working on a game called Full Quiet, it's an open-world action-adventure kind of mystery game. Oh, okay. It's a very different style game. Yeah, it sounds um, like it. Yeah, and you can check that out on our any of our social media online or our Twitter or anything like that. Okay. Um, is, is it kind of like an adventure-type game, or what do you mean by a <clears throat> Yeah, by it's, it's, mystery? A, it's still kind of side-scrolling. There's there's a definitely kind of a mystery you're trying to un- unravel in this. It takes some more cues from... Uh, survival horror in some aspects where oh, okay. there's you know less uh, less encounters but more impactful encounters okay um, and it's it's a really totally different game it's like I said it's open world side scrolling but where it's it's not quite a metroidvania either oh okay but it's, it's, a, it's a larger contiguous contiguous world but there's not like power ups and stuff so you're saying uh, there's that. gonna be some stuff in there it's it's more of a shooting mechanic than oh, it's okay. not a brawler okay. yeah same way so um, but it's, it's gonna be like a little bit slower paced but you know Slightly different kind of game. We're trying something new. Uh, we're really, really excited about it. This is the most excited we've been about building a game so far. Nice. So uh, what, when do you think a release will be on that? That'll or? be out this fall. Oh, okay. Fall. Oh, so yeah. it's like pretty far along, right? Yeah. So are you pretty much knocking out a game a year, it sounds like? Um, around that. Yeah, we're we're trying to, you know, not bog ourselves down too much or, like, keep flooding our, our thing. We're, like, we're really trying to put as much into these games as we possibly can. Um we want to put them out in a you know a timely manner so that we're never just sitting on stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we started work on that. We actually kickstarted uh, Full Quiet last uh, last fall, and we we reached our initial funding in less than uh, forty eight hours. I think. Oh, nice. so, yeah, that's wow. awesome. That's good um, and so it was. We had a lot of support from the community in that. There's a really great like homebrew, homebrew community yeah, out yeah. there, and like 
a really great community of these people like that just love older NES games and we're trying to you know they've been like I said they've been super supportive of us and we're trying to make as best you know as good a game as we possibly can um, and do our best not to just capitalize on nostalgia or kind of cash in on that but oh, yeah. really create new experiences on older systems mm-hmm. so it's we want these you know like if you played the haunted games you want them to feel like you jump in you, you want to feel kind of modern and really easy yeah. to get into and, and full quiet's that same way we want to create you know craft something new sure yeah like Looking at it right now, it looks better than anything that I saw for the NES. It does. Uh, like it looks right uh, now, a gentleman's playing a level, a scrolling level with a train, and the train cars look fantastic. Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah the, we, uh, well, like the layered backgrounds yeah. and all that with the clouds and the yeah, trees. Yeah, we, we do a lot of research when we're doing. Th- I know that it's it's just an NES game, but this game takes place in 1986. So all the train cars you're seeing, you know, we grew up around Pittsburgh. It's a big steel town, lots of oh, railroads okay. around. Yeah. So. You know, all these train cars, we looked up models that were, you know, kind of came into uh, into production around the, the mid to late 70s, but we still all saw around the mid 80s in our yeah. towns and stuff like that. And kind of have this, uh, the way you would kind of approach like a hard sci-fi where it's uh, it's it's new, but it's lived in kind of thing. And this yeah. is still dated, but it doesn't have to be shiny and, and neon to still have that, that kind of feel. Sort of like so, the, uh, the vehicles in the original Star Wars were like weathered to look. Yeah, yeah. And this is, you know, growing up in the towns that we grew up in. Like, the town in this game is kind of a, an amalgamation of all of our hometowns. And that's, okay. you know, kind of dirty. You know, there's no more steel industry anymore. And now things are kind of left to rot a little bit. But then how do you build on top of that? And it's kind of like a running theme throughout our games, too. Have you, have you ever thought about doing, like, a like a haunted Halloween that's, like, in the 90s or, like, in the 2000s or anything like that to uh, see I how the... I can't comment on all of you, though. See how the town has changed? <laughs> oh, no, uh, yeah. yeah. So no comment. We're going we're to be coming back to it eventually but uh we want to take a little break this is you know this was the series that got us started too so this mm. is also every time we make a haunted game we really want to push it further and further so like our kind of you know outlook is that everything should be better than everything ever yeah and you know we're in a unique opportunity that like we're kind of standing on the shoulders of people that build nes games for yeah you know 30 years or so so even if we fail at it we, we're trying to, to push it further and make these things better and like these are the games that we wish we could have played as kids and like as an adult like you know watching these kind of things like these are the kids that we wanted to be and this is the kind of stuff we wanted to do so did you how long have you known like the guys that you were like how many people did it take to develop this uh we're a team of about five people um there's been a couple other people that have helped us out with like uh sound stuff uh i do all the visual design on the game uh we have one guy named uh thomas goes by human thomas uh online he does all the sound design all the music uh, really great musician. He and I have known each other for years. We actually met because we uh, we used to play old punk shows together and stuff. Oh, nice. Different bands. Uh, Greg, our game director, he used to play hockey with my brother, and he just heard that I did graphic design and oh, okay. asked if I wanted to start, you know, doing this stuff. Um, Greg and Tim, our producer, like those those guys are the guys that started the company and everything. Mm-hmm. They've been best friends since third grade. Um, and then our, our programmer, we kind of just met as we were starting to work on these games stuff so uh nice yeah but we've been you know we, we worked on the first game kind of almost as a hobby it ended up kind of spiraling out of control a little it became bit more popular than you thought yeah it was we got a little more attention than we thought we would about it and, and we also discovered how much we like doing this kind of things and how we can improve on it we just kind of wanted to do it forever is it a uh, so has it become a full-time gig for you is it still on the side of what you normally do, uh or? this is more like this is all i do now is just work on games okay cool so i still do a little bit of freelance design work um, 
Thomas, uh, he has another job, but he does, you know, all the music. And uh, Greg and Greg and Tim run a store called Cash and Culture. It was like a used game store. Oh, okay. And so for their 10th anniversary, they wanted to learn how to maybe make games. And that's what got this whole thing started. Okay. So they still do that. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of just all, all of our thing together. So, And even though we all have our own kind of instruments that we play, we all work on the game design together. So, like, 85, Tim and Greg had the concept already and then kind of went rolling with it. But when we did 86, we all kind of just sat in a room and, like, you know, brainstormed, kind of brainstormed about how yeah, we're going to yeah. make this game and what what kind of the themes do we want to touch on. Cool. So, uh, are you guys? So the next one's for NES as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Are, are, are you guys thinking about uh, ever like doing a Super Nintendo game or like a Genesis game? Or uh, anything we've like been that? talking about that eventually down the road. Mm, yeah. um, for all these games, we actually uh, we have them on Steam as well. We're finishing up our Xbox One build right now. Oh, okay. Um, we're going to try to roll these out to other consoles. Um, but we always want to have cartridges of a lot of the stuff we do. Mm-hmm. Do, you th- um, do you think you'd ever do a Switch game? That's we're hoping. Yeah. So I'd love to see this on the Switch. Oh yeah. Oh we, yeah. We got approved for uh, the Wii U development. Oh yeah, but um, then that one. <laughs> it was like literally a month before they announced the Switch, yeah. and like yeah. kind of as soon as they announced the Switch, the Wii U was dead. Yeah. Yep. So we kind of just skipped it, uh, and everyone at ID Xbox, like, I know Xbox doesn't get a lot of credit for like indie games, mm-hmm. but they were so supportive about the entire process. Oh, that's good. And really great working with us and stuff. So. And then uh, I think we're probably going to roll out on PS4 after that. Okay. And uh, I think the Switch process is just a little different, yeah. you know, getting it out there. It seems to be people are doing really well in the eShop on that, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, like, really early on, they were, like, uh, really stringent about, like, they were really careful about who was getting uh, development kits. But over the past year, they've really opened it up and had a really cool indie scene. I would love to so. see, like, a... Uh, like a or like a, an orange or a green like see-through like switch cartridge you know oh like we would love that yeah, yeah we want we yeah. want we want physical copies so bad yeah so. for all the people that are really yeah. into and it'll have a weird copies. taste yeah <laughs> we, we gotta make it taste like uh, rotten pumpkins or uh, or, <laughs> yeah. green, or like green slime jello Zombie or something brains. like that yeah <laughs> yeah for legal purposes don't eat your switch cartridges but you know yeah, yeah for here's sure. the custom flavor for you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so we're, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the um, recent reissue of uh, Street Fighter 2 on Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I did. Yeah, we yeah. worked on that as well. Oh, awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we did all the physical production of that. We worked oh, cool. with yeah. IMA Bit and Capcom on that project. Oh, yeah. So. yeah, that's badass. No, I, I saw that. I, di- I didn't get it, but I saw it. So yeah. are you manufacturing your own cartridges, or do you have someone, like, outsource that for you? I, I was talking to another guy earlier that said they had bought, like, an injection mold and were doing it themselves, so I wasn't. Yeah, so we there's a guy uh, goes by Infinite NES Lives who builds brand new boards and flashes our ROMs to them. He's oh, okay. super super good at that. And the same guy worked on the Super Nintendo boards for the Street Fighter Two. And then uh, yeah, we have some friends that got the injection mold. We give them color specifications and everything, and, and get everything made. And then we just put everything together by hand. Uh, we get all the printing done from someone else. Uh, so every copy you see was put together by one of us or oh, a couple like, of us. Yeah, with the stickers and the stuff yeah, on the inside yeah. and all Everything that. Everything yeah. is put together by hand. And that's, all the boxes awesome. are manufactured, you know, shipped to us, and we put them together the same way. Cool. And you guys are sending, selling uh, cartridges here for uh, 60 bucks. Yeah. Uh, the cartridges we sell uh, separately for 50 and then we sell a complete in-box version with the manual, the slipcase, and mm-hmm. everything for 60 Cool. And uh, if you go to cashinculture.com, 
That's our store online. Where okay. our store is in Pittsburgh, and we ship out domestically for free, so and you can find our stuff on there. Cash in culture is just like as in the words, like cash. Yeah, in, cash yeah. in culture. Okay, cool. Yeah, and we're also on Steam, so check us out on there. And uh, I think it's nine ninety nine on Steam. Awesome. Do you guys have like a Twitter or anything like that to follow, yeah, like uh, for the company? Retrotainment HQ on Twitter. Okay. And I think just Retrotainment on Facebook. Awesome. Do you yeah. have any idea how many copies of these games you've sold or that you that are out there now? Because um, there's a few. We we're like uh, we don't want this to be a limited thing. Yeah. So we we kind of do it in waves, but we always get more out there. We want people that are interested in in the cartridges to be able to pick them up and buy them. But uh, so there's there's a few out there. You you think yeah. probably in the thousands or the hundred several uh, hundred? I couldn't say. That's yeah. uh, that would be more a question for, for okay. Greg or Tim and stuff yeah, like that. So, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, obviously doing well if like there was a want for a sequel and and if it got funded that quickly. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's doing pretty well. There's they said there's a really good community out there. People, we go to a bunch of different conventions like like these ones. We get more collectors that want stuff, and then we also go out to packs. Oh, okay. Um, were you at PAX last weekend, though? We were, yeah. Oh, nice. And it's fun. We've actually seen a few people that we saw out there. and PAX. You know, maybe played the game out there. Were you at a, the Portland Retro? We, yeah, we always go to Portland. I was there. Uh, um, I don't know if I saw you. Those are actually... I probably yeah, walked by your table. We actually debuted our first game there. Okay, cool. So we try to make a point to always go back out there and, like... I guess there's been a couple stuff online about the game, but we did an awful job uh, promoting the first game because it was like we could promote this or we could finish making it yeah. and so by the time we got out there we were really putting everything together in our booth and a couple of people were like oh I heard about this when's it coming out and they were like give us two minutes yeah. and I can finish putting this together like this Hold is on, out man. today <laughs> yeah yeah nice. so and we're you know learning about everything going on like I'm not allowed to put stickers on because I'm terrible at it oh yeah for the uh, how, yeah. how centered it is or, oh, yeah. oh, the first time was Thomas and I were in our booth putting them on. I was like, this looks pretty good. He's like, yeah, that looks really good. And then, like, Greg came back and was like, no, guys, no, no, no bubbles. Yeah. And the first, like, five people that came in were like, can I have one without bubbles? <laughs> yeah, you're not going to sell the bubbles. So we did ones. really bad. So Greg is so, so stringent. And, like, even every copy of, uh, like, the Street Fighter put together by hand to mm. check all of that. And, like, every, like, we looked at every review. Greg was like, oh, as long as there's no bubbles, I don't care. There's no way. Yeah, yeah, there's no way I could. No do one, that. no one came back with bubbles on <laughs> their on their thing. Oh, you were looking at the reviews. We were just coming out like there were a lot of unboxing. Oh, just, the unboxing such videos. A process uh-huh. like we went like like I am eight bit did such a great job on their packaging. We worked really hard to make sure that was like the item that people wanted that you know they paid for, they pre-ordered and stuff like that. So yeah, I yeah. mean you guys uh, definitely being a smaller company, I'm sure people would be hard on you if like. They could, sticker was messed up or whatever that's probably the first thing they're going to look at when they unbox it or whatever it's the way it's presented it's just such a collector's market that that was something that i was not prepared for at all so my if i get a game i'll get i'll buy a game with a ripped like label i don't really care yeah yeah like i just i i wasn't aware that 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 kind of collector's market out there and like making these games has really shown that to me a lot I've seen a. I was at C2E2 last weekend, and I actually saw they had people like doing like, you know, the guys who give the ratings on the comics. They do that for cartridges now too. Oh video yeah. Video game cartridges. So I thought that was interesting. Oh, the grading. Yeah. yeah the grading where they put the where, where it can like exponentially increase the value if it gets a really nice rating. Yeah. Same thing. So yeah. A like lot of these things saying, around yeah. here. Yeah. You'll find like ten copies of the same game at different prices. And yeah. 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 That's. Uh, yeah. It's it's gotten bad enough that like I know enough about collecting at this point where 
the only games I have left that I'm really trying to find are too expensive. And if I find one that's not expensive anymore, like I question it because like this might be a repro or oh, like yeah, yeah. why isn't yep. this too expensive for me right now? Like I so. just, yeah, hopefully the guy just doesn't know the price, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's but we're also at a point where like everybody knows everything about the games they're selling now, yeah. so you can't really pull one over on anyone. Well you guys should get discounts for making awesome games. That's what it's right? Please tell everyone that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let let them know. Put me on a list, please. Cool. So. All right. Yeah. Thanks for talking to us, man. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. I'm super excited to play the. I haven't. I mean, I played a little bit here, but I haven't bought it yet. But yeah, I'll definitely check it out on Steam or like hopefully if it's on Switch, I'll definitely get it. Yeah. There absolutely, sure. man. Thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, thanks man. Thanks for talking cool. to us. Yeah, those were the interviews that we did there. Um, it's uh, you know we got to talk to a lot of cool people like Man, we said those before. Are some great interviews. Yeah, we we talked to the uh, all all the homebrew guys and you know friend of the show Kevin and uh, Pokemon podcast. Make sure you check all their stuff and follow them on Twitter. I'll put it all in the uh, on the description for the show and whatnot. But uh, that's been our show. That's episode one one seven. We're your hosts. I'm Trey Johnson. Jerry Mikowski. John Litter. And, uh, you know, you can catch us at uh, NintendoMainPodcast.com. Download the show from any sort of podcast selling machine. Um, you know, give us, a, give us a rating. Download the show. Uh, send us an email at NintendoMainPodcast at gmail.com. Or you can check out our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Fingmater, F-I-N-G-M-A-T-E-R. Or check me out at uh, Twitch for Twitch.tv slash NintendoMainPodcast. Uh, I do streams Thursdays and Sundays, and Jeremy and I do uh, Splatoon streams uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, around like 2 a.m. Central Time. Check those out, and, uh, you know, we'll see you next week. See ya. See ya. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that.